All right, who is ready for today? It is July 6th, 2023, and you're listening to the Ask a Christian Podcast. I'm your host, Nate. Woo! Today is a good one. We've dropped the ball. And by we, I guess I mean, well, everyone. Me, mostly. For the last two days. Been short, been tired, been sick. Uh, All right, so today we make up for it in spades. We interpret the Bible by faith alone. What does that mean? That makes no sense, you ask? Yeah, to us either. So we talk about that for a little bit. What is a person? Not to be uh, dissuade, or not not to be uh, separate from the lines of what is a woman? What is a person? What constitutes person? The larger picture is how far should we go down ridiculous rabbit trails trying to prove a point to someone when it has nothing to do with Christianity? Even it's so far away from that by the time we're done. What's it even matter? Repent and believe. Focus on Jesus. Um, what is a person? What is it meant by person? You'll find out. The reasonable uh, and reliableness reasonableness and reliability of faith not all faith is equal like some people may have what is considered a blind faith like they believe it because someone just said hey believe this it's a good idea other people may have faith and then you know they'll, they'll gain experience over time or they have a foundation for their faith like you know the the bible um that's a foundation that's historical evidence that's historical writings that's scripture um so we we have a basis in that and we can check a lot of it through archaeology and things like that so not all faith is this uh, has the same quantification system so we talk about that so if you meet someone who's like i don't have faith is it because you just never thought of it or is it because you thought of it and still somehow lack a belief in whatever it is or to the religious person do you just have faith because you read a book and it said believe me i'm really true i promise or is there something else of substance to bolster that faith to make it to make it reliable to make it reasonable um did you have a spiritual encounter a spiritual ex- experience um is it all of the above so there's lots of different reasons that would build our faith and make it reliable or more reasonable <clears throat> than i don't know unreasonable beliefs um like i'm scared i, I can't even think i was think trying to think of like a kid and scared of the dark but i don't know um you can find good reasons to believe bad things and bad reasons to believe good things so Neither, none of it speaks to the truthiness or not of it, um, but you can have better or worse reasons to bolster that coin. Whew. Then we hear some stuff about Yah from a guy who asks his question and has it answered and continues asking it for the next 30 minutes. <laughs> That's where we'll end. So everyone have an awesome day. Check out the Ask a Christian book on Amazon um, to explain a lot more of these questions. It's not just questions about Christianity and answers to questions, because who am I, right? Just some dude that read the Bible. But it's also, in my experience, how to talk to people, how to have these dialogues. And you can't reason with unreasonable people, but a lot of people that may give you the impression they're not so reasonable or not so civil, if you approach them with the right spirit, the right tone, they'll back off that really quick. Like, you know, you get what you give more times than not. So if you come in and you, you find someone is a little testy and you that's the spirit you approach it, you're probably going to get that back and everyone's going to yell and scream and no good will be done. But, you know, the Bible is true. Proverbs, when it says a gentle answer uh, turns away wrath, a lot of times people are like, oh, yeah, what about your stupid fairy book? I'm like, I hear your question. Let's talk about that. They're like, oh, okay. <laughs> it doesn't mean they're going to on gonna be an on-the-spot convert, but many times they want a rise out of you. To like get you know a crazy Christian for a YouTube clip or something. When you don't take the bait and don't pay the troll toll, um, a lot of times good conversations can be had. So who knows the end state of them? Maybe because one Christian like didn't completely freak out on them for saying something bad or mean or rude at first, uh, they could become friends. They could end up friendship evangelism. They um you know they may have took one of the things to consider 
and ended up praying to Jesus and be a Christian because of, of that conversation. So anyway, um, the book t has a lot to do about with that and how to talk to people on the internet and um, these armchair um, psychiatrists and debaters and stuff we all think we are um, more than just answers about Christianity. But it has that too. Yeah, anyway, so you can also check out the Ask a Christian store, grab one of the little shirts with a cross and a circle on it and question mark to foster conversation. Be your own Christian apologist. Explain what you believe and why you believe it with gentleness and respect. And you can also support us in the donate link. Please do that. Uh, we do not have sponsors. <laughs> we rely on donations and people who want to uh, just let people share the gospel on the internet. It's its own mission field. So um, if you're not able to join live, if you want to do that, the link to join Clubhouse is there too. So you can join and contribute as a Christian or a questioner. Jump in and ask your questions. Um, or email them to us, askachristianclub at gmail.com. Um, or yeah, uh, any f financial support is awesome because I like this. Um, I, I think it's needed. It's definitely a mission filled. The internet, there is no shortage of conversations to be had. So it may as well, uh, you know, the voice of a biblically, and not just me, but like the people who you hear talk every day, the guests and people like that. Um, the voice of people who are Bible-believing Christians and want to be as close to accurate about the first century church as we can. So that's our goal, is to to have the same doctrine, the same outlook as Jesus, the disciples, Paul, the, the church in Acts. That, that's the core. So by the time we start adding councils and guys with funny hats and like traditions and hundreds of unnecessary years of stuff, forget all that. Let's stay at the basics. So Christ is the basic. Let's stay right next to the cross and share people what Christianity is from that perspective. So... If you like to support people doing that, um, instead of like leading people away into a cult or having them drink Kool-Aid or something like that, um, we're your people. So subscribe, share these links, like these videos, um, check out the store, support us. Thank you very much, and have an awesome Thursday. Where can uh, we take, how can we apply lessons um, in terms of like in the way that we treat each other through explicit Bible verses? Oh gosh! I mean, just all the gospels. I, I mean, the whole Bible. <laughs> like that's a pretty that's a pretty wide question. Like, where do we find? Uh, you know, how can besides the Ten Commandments, how can we find places in the Bible we can applicate laws uh, and and teachings to how we can treat people? Yeah. I, I mean, I I will give you specifics, but you know, I guess before I know, I'd I'd say the entire Bible. Like, read all the stuff in red: Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the Sermon on the Mount, the Golden Rule. Um, while some people say it's not unique to Christianity, that doesn't matter. Like, you know, it talks about the sun. Like Christianity doesn't have a hold on the sun, but it still talks about stuff like that. So, um, yeah, like the, you know, when someone asks you, you know, someone forces you to like carry their crap one mile, go two miles. So the, the overarching theme, though, would be, you know, aside from from God and the spirituality, just the natural stuff, because the most important thing is repent, believe the gospel, have eternal life. Congratulations. That's like putting your oxygen mask on, on the airplane for eternity. Now that you've got yourself taken care of now, all the natural here and now stuff. Yeah, it's like geared toward being like a, a humble person who has humility, who's not full of hubris and arrogance and boasting and pride and all this stuff. So it's things people in a secular humanist society espouse they like. Um, but, but yeah, that's the type of person you should be. Um, sometimes people say these things, but they don't always mean them. <laughs> but, um, you know, it lines up with the espousals, like, you know the moral code, like don't steal, don't cheat, don't rob people, don't, don't slander people, stuff like that. Don't fault, be a false witness. Um, and then just be charitable. 
So if you see someone hungry or thirsty, help them out. If you see someone needing clothes, throw some clothes at them. Uh, and you can find all these teachings just from the beginning, the end of the Bible. But particularly, I'd say focus on the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, look at all the sermons Jesus has. Perhaps that was not what you were looking for. Oh, there you are. No, no, perfect. Look, I'm not, I'm not sure if the question itself affirms my religion or how I, you know, choose to act and discuss and debate people. But um, um, not that it left a bad taste in my mouth, but I, I thought I was having a cordial discussion with a Muslim. And then it was, yeah, it, things turned pretty south. And anyway, here I am. I just thought in reflection that in terms of my rhetoric and my response, wow. Um, thank you very much for reaffirming the teachings and the words of Jesus. Um, uh, I'll leave it to someone else to ask a question. Well, I'm actually curious if I can follow up with you. So, um, see, Tori, this is why I meant I need people to give me something to talk about. <laughs> I can't do it on my own. Anyways, but right. So whenever I talk about secular humanism and the espousals that, you know, they say they want nice things, but it doesn't quite always add up when you when you talk about that. Well, when you were talking to a Muslim guy, because, you know, right, we just talked about Christianity. So I'm not I'm not trying to pronounce judgment or how other people with a religion or lack of religion should believe. That's that's them. Right. Like I'll listen to them. Tell me their espousals. No, so for no, Christianity, no, just tell me if, if I'm predisposed, if I'm presupposing my my like previous subject onto the room. Let, like, just tell me to shut up. But no, I you're good. This if, is interesting. OK. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to know this. Um. And yeah, feel free, Tory brother, wherever you guys want, if you want to chip in. But yeah, so I'm curious, whenever um, you were talking to the Muslim person, like you said, it started to turn south, you know, not that this guy represents all of Islam, pieces, peace be upon him, all that stuff. But was he saying like, you know, how nice and good Islam was? And then maybe as the conversation went on, for whatever reason, um, it started to turn south. And by the end of it, when you said it was not not in a great place the espousals he was giving at first maybe didn't line up with his actual actions or am I completely off base in thinking that's how if, the conversation went? Look, obviously this is my, this is from my perspective of the topic, but um, my initial question started off quite nice. Um, I have, I have a, I like to think a cordial relationship with some of the Muslims and we discuss and we debate, but um, essentially it got down to like the created nature of God. And he said, um, his name, Ibn Banks, he's a bit of a hothead, um, but essentially it got down to, and you can also um, just look at these books and these books. And I said, look, dude, I've like, I've read some of your books Um but I said, look, I'm not a Muslim. I'm a, I'm a Kufar. And then as soon as I mentioned that, man, it was, you know, how dare you say such a thing? How dare you? And it's like, I'll just say we have different belief systems. You know, whether it's Kufar or I'm a disbeliever, according to you, then however you want to take that. I mean, I'm, okay, I'm not yeah. So, so would you say that I was, I was kind of on the right, on the right track when I said, you know, they espouse very pleasant trees and things like that, but it didn't turn out. So basically like if, I, if all the stuff I just said about being a Christian, right. And then I started yelling and screaming and cursing you out and saying, I was going to like, you know, do all kinds of nasty things to you. You'd be like, Oh, well you started out saying that Christians were really nice and this is what they talk about, but your actions are very, very different. Is it one of those things or. 
that's where I was going with that. Essentially, like basically yeah. practice it, what you preach. In a way, yes, exactly. To some, I'm not going to say it's a hundred percent, but about eighty percent, I can relate the situation. Okay, I was just wondering because yeah, I mean that, that happens a lot too. And again, I mean Christians do it all the time. No one's immune, immune, but. At least that's what Christians should be, what we should hope for. And, I, you know, I mean, I'm sure that's what everyone else, else says, too. But they're like, oh, we have some imperfect followers. We have some hotheads. And, and yeah, I mean, so do we preach. I get it. Um, yeah, I was just wondering your specific example, since that's exactly what we were talking about, if the same thing happened. Hey, can I ask a question? Yeah. Uh, this would be particular to... Um... Uh, Mr. Uh, the dude, <laughs> um, what what exactly is a kufar? If I may ask, I've never heard that before. Um, it's the look. Uh, I can say what it is according to their own sources, but you're better off asking a Muslim. I mean, a well, Muslim it's generally will, an unbeliever, right, or a disbeliever, or someone who's not a, a disbeliever. Muslim. Usually, which has negative connotations towards it, but. I mean, effectively, that's that is what what it is. Like, it's someone who rejects the belief of in Arabic. That is, it's an Arabic term. I see. And the reason I'm asking is because, in my experience, talking to Muslims, it seems like they have this. It's like an unspoken obligation to convert you, and that's um, very apparent to me. They want to help you to see how you're wrong and your idea of God. So it's particularly if you're a Christian, they want to help you understand how that's wrong kind of thing. That's what I picked up from them. So I just wanted to know if that perhaps was your experience. It, I mean, I'm not saying you call yourself a Christian. I'm just saying that's my experience with them. And there's a difference, Sorry. right? Like if someone, if someone wants to, uh, wants to convert and, you know, follow them, then I imagine it'll be super pleasant, super nice, and that will continue. Um, maybe it's when you're like, well, I'm not really buying what you're selling. I think I'll just stick to my own way. That's when tempers flare. Again, not unlike, you know, other people yelling and screaming in the name of their own God or lack thereof. Uh, but, you know, if people were really that convincing, people would Nate, be convinced. Nate, <laughs> Nate uh, look, it, again, I can only speak upon subjective. Um, you know, I understand that there will always be a clash against clash or personality against person, Like, there may be something that someone, regardless of who they are, where they came from on the earth, how much money they have, may take something perceived as wrong or, you know, like an insult. If it's considered an insult towards a belief system, then fair enough. Like, But the fact is I've had times in these rooms and maybe I'll, I'll go off somewhere and leave my computer on and I'm downloading and then it's maybe three or four of them just just hissing like vipers. Like whatever has set something off in in their mind to you know to speak in such a vile manner, like it, socially that would be unacceptable. But I suppose when we're on Clubhouse, anything goes, you know. Oh yeah, to, I mean it's amazing the kind of stuff people will say to your to your um you know their computer, but they would never say that to your face. And then the ones that would, they're like, "I'll say it to your face. Give me your address. Here's my head." <laughs> Uh, as I die, like, I'll say it to your face. Here's my address. Come find me. I'll come find you. I'm like, okay, well, the people that legit would say it to your face are, probably have a rap sheet and they're going to be in prison soon anyway, because they can't control themselves. And they're a hothead, not deemed to be fit in, you know, civilized society. 
So, you know, that's like a double-edged sword, right? Because you'll occasionally find some people like, I'll say to your face right now, where's your address? I'm like, well, I'm not going to do that. But I mean, you know, if I saw you in the street and you started getting all crazy, I'd, you know, I'd try to distance myself. But if you wouldn't let me, then, well, we'd have to do whatever is legal and necessary in, you know, the government where we live. So, I mean, there, there's, I mean, there's two sides of like every coin. Like if there's only one side of a coin, I'd, I'd be interested. But it seems like there's there's always two sides. I, I tell you what, have you like have you heard of a, of like an apologist who comes on here, or like fair enough, maybe the odd <clears throat> apologist who's actually I can't think of any Christian apologist leaders who have you know an international following like a terrorist cult, but like can. <laughs> Like, can you, like, can you, like, I don't, I don't see, like, the, it's a different type of thinking that to me, like, obviously I have my pre-presuppositions about, but I mean, when it comes to like theological sort of debate, it, you know, it's just, if that's all they can come up with is slurs, but anyway, look, I'll leave it at Well, by that. the way, the Christian response to that would be. Uh, you know, we talked about the other side or a side. Let's talk about the Christian response. So like, what, what should it be instead of like, you know, if people want to want to convert and, and we don't have to like do creative interpretation. Jesus tells us in the Great Commission, right? He's like, look, go into all the world, preach the gospel, baptize in the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit, and make disciples of all nations. And then they're talking and he's like, well, look, if you go to one place and they receive you, then, you know, they'll be blessed. God will give you blessings and stay and disciple them and teach them about me. If they say, no, we don't want to hear that, then shake the dust from your feet and leave them to their fate. It doesn't say be violent. It doesn't say be mean. It doesn't say convert them by force because you really, really care about your, their soul and have to save them or like purify them by pain. None of that nonsense. And people have messed that up before for whatever reason. I'm convinced it's selfish material gain, not that they were honestly following Jesus because it's pretty hard to mess up those words. So that's how the Christian response should be. Again, not saying people won't get all huffy and puffy, but it's in our book how we should respond. So I'm like, hey, uh, you know, I see you're not a Christian. I believe there is a God. Jesus is this God. He died for your sins. If you don't, if you want eternal life, it's free. Ask him, pray to him right now. Be like, save me, forgive me. I started my sins. Make me born again. Give me eternal life. If they're like, no, you're crazy. I don't care about your God. And then start like making all kinds of like mockery, blasphemous statements about my God. For me, because it happens like all the time, I'm like, all right, well, I have said my piece, so now let me just move to the audience because you're yelling and screaming like a crazy person. Doesn't mean I have to do that too. Um, so, I mean, that's that's the answer from the Christian perspective. It's shake the dust from your feet, leave them alone. Like now they're in God's hands. And then people will say, well, don't you really have compassion for them? Because if you did, it you'd go to any any length to convert them, even if it meant violating their will, if it meant causing, you know, doing crimes or something, because it's always a troll question. Well, no, believing in the God I believe in that's what the God says to do. So who are we to try to thwart the will of God as if we could? Who are we to fight back against God? This is like a man versus or a God versus Job thing again. It's like, no, if if God said force them to conversion, we may have a very different outlook on our world. Our world may be, look very different. But fortunately for us, we can have our cake and eat it too. If we truly believe this God, because they try to say it's like a, a, it hits us against our belief. And it's like, well, you must not really believe in hell. Otherwise, you'd do anything to save these people. Right, Christian? <laughs> not not all of them. Not not Josh down there. Um, he's not one of those people. <laughs> but um, anyways, but they will. And it's like, well, no, if you look at the Bible, the God I really believe in so much 
then I'm going to do exactly what he says. Well, exactly what he says to do is if these people don't want what you're talking about, they don't want to hear about Jesus, leave them be. Um, so anyways, that's a testament to us following our God that we really, really believe in. Hey, service, what's up? Hey, LB, Rico, good morning. Hey, good morning, what's up, guys? Man, what's up, Nate, man? Nah, Nate, you know, everything you said, bro, is spot on. And I think I was having this conversation with a friend not too long ago, and I, and, and I took him to the, the verse where the young ruler, and he goes to Jesus, and he asks, you know, what must I do to have eternal life? And, you know, the, the beautiful thing about that passage, I think sometimes we forget, is that, um, you know, he asks them simple questions. He asks them, you know, have you been keeping the commandments? He says, yeah, I've been doing this ever since I was a child. And then, But if you study the scripture, <clears throat> in one of the gospels, he says one more thing. He says, yet yeah, you like one thing. And he tells them to sell all that you have and give it to the poor and follow me. The young ruler walks away. Now, Jesus didn't, Jesus didn't chase after this guy. He didn't go after him and say, hey, 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 no, 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 bro. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Please, please don't go. Please, please take this gift of salvation. Please, no. He allowed the young ruler to walk away because the thing that the young ruler had, um, that, that, that he occupied, that he controlled, had just as much control over him. And, and he was not willing to let that thing go. And obviously, Jesus was not <clears throat> as important as the thing that he was willing to hold on to. And I think sometimes we forget those things. So we're not supposed to force the word on anyone. If they don't receive it, like you said, you broke it down perfectly. There's many, many places in scripture that teaches that. So I think we have this thing where we're hung up, that we have to kind of force these people and grab them and say, no, 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 no. Look, God gave us free will. And it's important that we uh, allow people to exercise that free will, whether we, whether we like it or not. And you know what I always, what I always, I, I didn't get this forever, but like the rich young ruler, because people always want to like, you know, the black Hebrews, right? So they, they try their little hearts out. Oh, hey, Felix down there. Didn't see you raise your hand. Let me, let me know if you can't get up. Um, maybe Clubhouse is bugging out. But they always talk to that. They're like, see, you got to keep commitments. See, he's got to do stuff. I'm like, no, read the rest of that. And it took me a long time to, to I guess, read the, the next verse. This says, you know, sell all your stuff and follow me. So, again, you, you can't just make this a works thing, which isn't where you were going, Rico. I agree with what you're saying. But just a side note, um, people try to make it a works and say, see, you got to do stuff. you got to sell stuff. you got to keep the commandments. It's like, what does Jesus say, though? He didn't say, and nothing. He said, and follow me. So just like, you know, Peter and Peter and James, like if you're the, the fishermen, if you want to say they had to do something, well, what they do? Okay, they, they left their fishing business. They did something. They walked away. That's ridiculous. No one's talking about that. Like if I have to like eat breakfast in the morning, am I doing a work because I can't pray and I can't serve God if I die from mal malnourishment? Therefore, I'm doing a work. I'm keeping some commandment. That That's ridiculous. No one means that. And I'm, I'm convinced more and more that's where we're led by the spirit and we have spiritual discernment. And without God, you're, you're going to miss stuff, even if it's right in front of your face. So when he says, you know, sell all your stuff and follow me, what do they think is going to happen? He's going to follow him and like, you know, sign up for Judas or follow him and do every bad thing or follow him and not hear things like I and the father are one. I'm the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the father but me. Like if he sells all the stuff, that's like step one. That's like, hey, get out of your fishing boat. I'll make you fishers of men. Drop what you're doing. Follow me. That doesn't mean everyone needs to stop their fishing business. That's just something they did. It has nothing to do with salvations or keeping commandments. It has everything to do with, hey, start here, 
and here is you sell your fishing stuff. You sell your crap. And now all of you follow me. And in following Jesus, well, what do we think he's going to learn? The same thing everyone else learns throughout the Gospels where Jesus teaches and preaches. That's what he's going to learn. If he follows Jesus, he's going to be one of the first Christians. He's going to be one of the first disciples of Christ. So it's a lot more than just sell your junk. It's sell your junk and follow me and all the implications. What do you think about that, Albie? Yeah, you know, um, I, I agree. The Lord actually exposed his heart. Right. Because that's not a command to everybody. Sell all your stuff and then follow me. But it was to expose his heart to show. Because if you see, if you read Mark ten nineteen, and if you see the commands that the Lord um, speaks of, there are only the commands that have to do with the neighbor. But why doesn't he ever mention the first three commandments that have to do with, uh, you know, having no other gods besides me or the commandments that have to do with God? Because to follow Jesus is to keep the first three commandments. And, and you know what, Albie, you're so right. You know, you know, the thing that, look, man, no one knows us better than God. He knows us in the heart of every man. And he's able to look at each and every one of us. And he understands the things that we wrestle with the most. Um, and the very thing that he understood that dude was wrestling. I mean, the scripture says you like one thing. And, and, you know, sometimes we occupy things. We own things for so long. And that thing begins to own us. And I'm pretty sure Jesus looked at him and said, yeah. The thing that, that you think you own, these riches, no, these things own you. And you are not willing to let these things go. And you think you want eternal life. But no, you want these things, but you don't want to let go of the things that won't let go of you. And like Albie said, he was exposing his heart. You know, uh, I think sometimes we get so caught up with head knowledge. I, I've, I've made this mistake. But we, don't, but we don't understand that there has to be a balance with heart knowledge as well. And I think, you know, the very thing that... Um, you know, uh, he asked for Jesus was giving him. You want eternal life? Well, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So sell all those things. And he even gave him some good advice. Give it to the poor. He didn't just say dump it over a cliff. He's giving him good, sound ways to continue to, to help others, to serve others. But I'm going to give you the very thing you asked for. So it's like you were saying, they had nothing to do with keeping the law or anything like that. That's the last thing on earth that you should be, you should be trying to execute from that scripture, man. It's really... Like Albie said, he's like, I'm, I understand this guy. I'm going to show him that the very thing you, you're trying to convince me that you want, nah, bro, you, you really don't want it. And I have a question. Uh, I Josh, do if you're listening. Oh, hey, yeah, Josh, if you're listening down there, um, are, are you familiar with, with the thing this is? It, it's like a grammatical term. I, I, I know you're doing language stuff. I don't know what, though. But uh, it, it's like the, the manner of speaking or like um, – how, how the, the terminology like we would say it's an idiom it's a this it's a that like you're saying things without saying things or by saying one thing you're really meaning the larger point that you're not saying like saying it without saying it so do you know a what i'm talking about and b if so what that is because that's what jesus does like all the time or oftentimes a lot he'll do things like that right he'll like point out one thing and it's, if you just read it literally right usually people that can't make it through eighth grade. Um, if you just read it literally and say, okay, well, this is exactly what he means, but it's like so, so obvious that's not what he's talking about, like this, right? Like, because, and we can use this for proof because if you keep reading and he, he goes on to say, and follow me. So, so it's not just like sell all your stuff and you're amazing, it's sell all your stuff and then there's, an, there's another part, there's an addendum. So if, if, if Jesus is talking and says, hey, sell all your stuff and, and the people are just saying, see, 
that's what Jesus means. He means sell all your stuff and and you're good. You're you're perfect. Um, but very clearly, that's not what Jesus means because there's an additional text to follow. So are you familiar with what I'm talking about and what what like term terminology that is or what grammatical? Um, that's what I'm looking for. It's just just I always think about it, but I never remember and I don't know it because otherwise I have to do what I'm doing right now every single time. And then people are like, wow, just. Well- Leave well, us alone. <laughs> hey, well, Nate, quick question, Nate. So, so you don't believe that there was a literal sense when he asked that as well? I think I used literally wrong. No, I believe he literally said, "Sell." Uh, oh, okay. Well, hang on. Sell every everything. Literally, sell one hundred percent of your stuff. I don't know. Like maybe if you started like undress and get naked to sell it, maybe Jesus would be like, wait, wait, not not that much. But he talks about great possessions. So, like he talks about all these like possessions right, and right. stuff like that. So anyways, as literal as we can be without like 100% of all threads on the guy's back. Yeah, I believe he literally meant sell your stuff. I do too. But then he says, but then he says, follow him. So a lot of people who want to challenge, you know, Christianity and saved by grace through faith alone will point to that and say, see, this guy doesn't say anything about believing in him. He doesn't say anything about, you know, all this other stuff or faith or baptized or nothing. He just says, sell all your stuff. And I'm follow like, really? Him. So every- you, yeah, yeah. Hey, but look, right. Hey. So. Nate, I, yeah. I wanted to ask you this though, Nate. Just off that sense, right? Because it's so beautiful what you and Rico was talking about in the initial where I came into and that, that part that you expounded on. I wanted to know this, right? It pertains to interpretation of the scripture. Rico says something so powerful. Uh he says something on the on the pertains of faith, right? And I want to say this, it pertains of faith as well even with you expounded on Christ far as to follow me and not just to sell your part, not just to sell everything you got. When it comes to interpreting the scriptures or interpretations of the scriptures, do you believe a Christian should interpret the scriptures by faith alone? Interpret the scriptures by faith alone. Um, My first reaction is that's how you get a cult. Um, but, yeah. but no, I mean you you interpret it the way the author meant it. So you have to you have to like read the whole context. You have to read the available scripture, read the writings of the author, and interpret it as close as you possibly can to the way they they right, meant right. it. The way I they get wrote it. it. I'm saying is that possible by mm-hmm. faith alone? So as uh, opposed to what, like taking the word of like councils and stuff like that. Like what I mean is I don't know if I'm simplifying and I'm making it making it make sense. What I, I the the simpler terms, what I mean is, can you understand and interpret scripture by faith alone? I, I hear what you're saying. I'm just trying to be accurate. So well, if it's I, not by faith alone, what is it? But na- It could possibly be knowledge. Right, but, but this is it. But this is where we have to be very careful when we use that word. Um, that, see, the secular world believes faith is just this blind thing we just dive into without any knowledge, any evidence, right? Uh, faith comes from the Greek word pistis, which means uh, to trust. But but most importantly, it's to trust in what you know and rely. To trust in the ev- to trust in the evidence. If you study scripture, scripture tells us the importance of knowledge. In all thine getting, get understanding. You perish for lack of knowledge. So th- this idea of faith being this blind thing that we just trust. No, Jesus is. This is a this is a faith built on evidence and scholarship history yeah. all these things that 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 ground us so so i i think you know are we say yeah the script the scripture says that know, we are Rico. 
Yeah, I just. What do you mean? You don't, I really what, don't. What do you mean? Only, only, only reason I'm saying that it pertains to what the what the scriptures does say, um, about knowledge in the depths of how detrimental and confusing and uh, profitable it can it can be, far as so where, where, stewing where, it, where, stewing where, it. Where, where the scripture does, does, does Jesus instruct is just to do things without, uh, without knowledge, without without. Well, Well, I I think his life showed that. I think his life showed that. You know, I I sincerely think his life showed um, the capability of living a life strictly through faith. And I can give an example of that. But but, okay, I'm gonna give you an example. Define faith. Just just define faith. Define what is faith. Okay. But I think that's what we gotta we we gotta first make sure that we all understand. So we can yeah, I get you. Intellectually, because yeah, that's people, true. everybody have their own definition of faith, which which is a problem within itself. That's true. They should only one true definition of faith based on scripture. So, how do you personally define faith? And maybe I can understand where you're coming from. Okay, beautiful. Me personally, right? I define faith in three different components. Okay, scripturally, I define faith by definition, as the substance for things hoped for and the evidence of things seen, okay? I mean, things unseen, unseen, right? So I do believe that faith can produce the ability to prove the unseen. I do. That's what making something evident is. However, when it comes to, when it comes to faith, I also believe that faith is not just trusting I do believe that faith is total dependence and total reliance. So it's trust, it's depending, it's relying. And all those are, to me, all those manifest faith. What are you trusting in? Different, in? in different forms and different life. What are you trusting in? Trusting in the word of God. Right. And what is the word of God? The word of God is God. So what? You, so so you're trusting in the word of God. You're trusting in something that 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 is immutable. You're trusting in the idea that God Himself is 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 truth. God is not the holder of truth. He right. is truth. Truth, is, truth right. does not exist. God exists. Right. Like this, this is the thing the world messes up. Sometimes people act like God is like this 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 person. Oh, I will. I'm the holder of truth and love and justice. No, 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 no. no, no. Truth is a truth no, 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 is no, no, a no, person. You're saying this. I'm just. No, no, I'm just saying these you, things only exist because God exists. Without God, there is no truth. Without God, there is no justice. Without God, there is no morality. Without God, there is no love. That's what, true. What, yeah, so what, get, that's true, Rico. Well, 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 so getting getting all the way back to the thing, can we interpret scripture with faith alone? I'll I'll just say like, I'll, I'll give a couple things. I want to say, I mean, the way the Bible says it, the Bible talks about spiritual discernment, and it talks about the Holy Spirit's going to help you. So if, if that's what we mean by faith, sure. But if that's what we mean by faith, I'd just say that instead. I'd say what the Bible says. Um, if we mean like we we uh, have to have like councils of people wearing funny hats and robes to tell us what Scripture mean, absolutely not. Don't believe that for a second. There are fallible men just like us. We all supposedly have the same Spirit of God living in us. That doesn't mean that we uh, we are total masters of our whims and our temptations and our selfish gains and motivation. So everyone is susceptible to that just like everyone else. So if you want to look at a bunch of guys, the, the I mean, they do have some value like these councils in the fact that they dedicate a lot of time and effort into understanding, supposedly, the author's intent. So not from some spiritual fatherhood level, mate. but they would have 
hang on, yeah, supposedly. Not from some spiritual fatherhood level or something like that. They would have an authority over us. Um, but just the fact that, hey, they're another person. And if they've spent like years and years of their life uh, to understanding, uh, you know, these these writers, then we should at least give it a look. Um, however, I mean, we're not Catholic because we think that even though they did this stuff, they still miss the mark on a lot of things. No one's immune to that, right? Look right. at the Pharisees and Sadducees, who, by the way, Jamesy, they are different uh, different groups. Um, but I, I'd have to get the specifics, but they're different. But so we believe that the Pharisees got a lot of stuff wrong, right? Like Jesus. And these are people who dedicated their entire lives to study to scholarship. So it's worth hearing their interpretation. It's worth knowing how they came to it. But ultimately, if they're like, and see, that's why Jesus does not say he's God. I'm like, okay, well, you're 100% wrong because the Spirit right. of God living in me tells me he does. So that's what I'd say. So whenever I just read my Bible, I don't need a council. I don't need an extra biblical source to tell me what the Bible means. God himself living in us but, but tells Nate, us what you the Bible means. But you also understand that by faith, Nate. <laughs> you are, that's what I'm saying, Nate. You like even with you understanding the interpretations of Christ, right? Far as him, far as him conflating himself with God as to be God in the flesh, and you completely understand <clears throat> that that's the truth. No matter who comes to tell you anything other other than that, you completely know it resonated with that in your spirit that that is true. And of course, we do know that Christ, God, who was the Spirit, who who is the Spirit of Truth, truthfully. He he is the final say so of what truth is. But you gotta think about it though, Nate. You got that by faith. And there's too many there's many people who come to the scriptures that read the scriptures, spend thousands of hours, spend thousands of uh, seconds, minutes, hours in the scriptures that don't understand that. Don't understand the same scripture that tells you where Christ is God. They don't they don't know he's he's not Jesus, Jesus is not God, but you get it by faith. So well, that's I mean, what I'm saying. Well, there's two things. Like, when is you it say possible just by faith, to like, understand? There's also, there's, a, well, there's also spiritual discernment. So, like, you know, faith, the way the Bible hopes for, like, evidence, I mess this up all the time. You know, the, you said it earlier, the substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. Right. I mean, if we're talking about how I read and interpret the Bible, that that's not a, that's like a different category, right? So I, I believe it by faith, but it was revealed, I believe, by spiritual discernment. It's like how you see the Trinity in the scripture where you just start reading the Bible. And it's like, oh, oh, I see there, I see there, where other people will read right by it and be like, nope, no Trinity. I'm like, how did you not see that? We just pulled it right out. Like, look, you see it revealed everywhere. And I'd say that's, I mean, that's not faith because faith doesn't help you read. Faith is what you believe. It's uh, So faith faith may help you accept something or believe it um, on the merit or on the trust of the scripture. But I mean, faith doesn't help you like read. Like, you know, you're spiritual. I get what you mean, but it, it's, it's, I want I want you to tread lightly, Nate. I do. I want you to only tread lightly because we're talking about faith, right? Like you can you can read the Bible a million times, but without faith, will you understand it? Like 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 like, think about the well, scripture that says this: "Without well, yes, faith, could... it's impossible to please." Without faith, well, it's impossible to please God. I'm pretty sure that there are certain things, there are certain truths in the Bible that can be explained to you just based upon information, just based upon knowledge, just based upon association. Someone who knows the truth of about the Bible while you're in pursuit of learning it can teach you certain things. But truthfully, you come into the understanding of that or whatever it is that their information or their teaching or that knowledge concerning the scriptures, you can only get the correct understanding by faith. Can I pause? Yeah, I think we're just gonna. Well, hang on. We're, 
wait, hang on. We, I mean, we're just going to disagree. It's a small disagreement, so it doesn't matter. That's cool. But I, I mean, it, we're, but hey, it's kind of like borderline hang on, disagree hang on, with hang on. the scripture, too. Tommy, hold up. You're talking a lot. I want to get some other people. But, I mean, faith doesn't help you understand. Yeah, that's a bold comment for you to say, though, Nate. Tommy, I got to move you down. Stop interrupting the mod. You talked a lot. Um, but faith doesn't, I mean, I'm, I'm saying, I'm not like this is a spiritual disagreement. I'm saying, literally, faith does not help you read. Faith does not help you understand. Faith is what you believe. You believe something. Like, I know you disagree, but I don't know why we're, we're disagreeing on different things. I, I'm saying this is not me saying it diminishes faith or saying, you're saying like, you know, my ability to walk helps me see. No, it doesn't. I mean, it may help you feel your way around somewhere or something, but like, we're just saying completely opposite things. So discernment and learning how to read helps you read. Learning how to comprehend and critically think helps you understand. Faith helps you believe that. So if, if faith doesn't help you read where Jesus says, I and the Father are one, you just read that. You have reading comprehension and grammatical and English and literature skills. That helps you read it, and then it helps you understand it. But how many people who are atheists, like in this room right now, they read it. They're like, I read the words. I and the Father are one. And then they understand it. And they're like, yes, Jesus is saying he is God. He's making the claim that he's God. That's understanding it. They didn't have faith for any of this. Now I would say, okay, do you believe it? And they'd say, no. I'd say, that's faith. Faith helps someone believe it. You believe by faith. Uh, you know, you walk by faith, not by sight. So that's the, that's the whole point. There's no other way to go. I, I mean, I'm confident saying I'm, I'm just not wrong on this because it, it, it's such a different category. So I, I don't hate what you're saying. I would just say it different ways uh, because because we're on two different football fields here. Exactly. And Nate and seeing helps you walk better. So, yeah. In the reverse, right? <laughs> That's a good one. But uh, let's see. Karash, you were next, I think. Or uh, Felix, you were next. Hang on, Albie. <laughs> Did you have anything to say during that whole exchange? Do you... What do you think about that? Well, I, I agree with you. Uh, you know, Mormons have faith. You know, uh, demons themselves have faith, right? And yet they still serve another God. Even our friend Tommy here, he holds to a oneness position, right? So faith is, you know, it's all about the object of faith. But at the end of the day, it's being able to discern the scriptures. And this is why God raises up teachers as well. Right. And no, and there's no scripture is of private interpretation as we see um, scripture constantly being mishandled, especially on this app. Uh, Felix, you're next. What's up, Felix? Do you have anything to say? Well, I did, but it was earlier on in that part of the conversation. Pass on. I'll skip. I'll skip it. All right. Crush. Uh, Hello. Hey, uh, hey, good morning, uh, brother. Um, I know it says in the word, um, I want to say this, and I just want to uh, ask, ask uh, Brother Albie and, uh, and you, Nate, a question right after this. I know it says in the word that uh, without faith, it's impossible to to please God. That's, that's Hebrews one 11 thing, but the pro- So, it, see, that's one thing, but, to, but it doesn't say, like, you know, without faith, you can't properly exegete the scriptures. You know what I mean? That's a whole nother thing. You know, getting an understanding, I don't think it requires faith. You know what I mean? You have to you have to literally read the scriptures, allow the Holy Spirit that indwells in you, you know what I mean, and, and let the scriptures speak uh uh speak to you and let it uh let it exegete itself. 
you know um so i don't think you really need faith to i mean to do that you know what i mean i think that's i, I think uh, faith and understanding is like two different things i don't think it's a um i don't think one you need to have faith in order to uh properly exegete you know exegete the scriptures i mean that's um you know that's what i i believe the question i want to ask uh you <clears throat> i mean albie and uh, and you brother nate um when it comes to speaking to let's say oneness um pentecostals um or muslims i'll, I'll even go there what is the what's the best way to define a person where when we're talking about the trinity and the and the godhead you know what i mean so i just wanted to see if you guys can explore that with me please so in talking with a muslim the best way to explain or define the trinity define a person a person not the trinity but the but the just you know they they always have a an issue, you know, because um, someone said, "Well, when you talk about person, you're, that 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 applies to a human being, a human oh, being." You know what I mean? Then yes. I would just say, unless they repent, they'll die in their sins. I, I mean, I understand, and now he's probably going to lay out a very eloquent definition for person, but I think it obfuscates the actual point. Like from their point of view, they want to come into these things to you know twist things to make their case to make you be like, oh. Me and everyone that's believed Christianity for thousands of years is totally wrong, and this is the one guy to you know um, change the idea of the Trinity because of their philosophical definition of person. Um, so it's like, what's the intent, right? Our job is simply tell people. So, and what we got back to earlier, like faith and spiritual discernment. Without, I mean, talking without God, you're without faith. It's impossible to be God. But without spiritual discernment, you're so lost. And Paul talks a lot in First Corinthians 12, I think, or First Corinthians somewhere, about the difference in man's wisdom, which is what this is, these vapid, philosophical, foolish definitions. And all it's doing is like, oh, person is a person that exists and persons and molecules. It's like, great, this has nothing to do with eternal life. This has nothing to do with Jesus, the person. This has nothing to do with anything important. All this does is waste time. And uh, it, it, I keep thinking, it reminds me, shout out, Jamesy, of uh, Levian Satanist, I, I think he's the wrong one, but it's like his whole goal, which it doesn't matter if you're atheist, Satanist, Muslim, the point is, if if we're talking about Satan, God, and the devil, good and light, um, the point still stands. So like, I, I know it was a thing of Levian Satanism, um, he wanted to kind of push the conversation into the weeds, so like on anything of substance, like anything he wanted to get his way on. So let's just talk about Jesus in this one. Um, instead of talking about the death, burial, resurrection, like Paul talks about, you know, I preach the cross of Christ so it didn't lose its power. I preach like boldness, the cross of Christ and him crucified. Well, if you start saying, OK, well, that's fine. Let's talk about this. What is what is this definition? Hey, what is a person, by the way? Oh, what is that trinity? It's like, great. Now we're so far away from the cross. Like, I can just see, like, you know, Levain with his pitchfork and be like, this is what I wanted. <laughs> like, I've got all these both religions, that cheese is neither, talking about nonsense off in the weeds that they are never on that line of thought going to get back to, Christ, to, to the cross of Christ. They're just going to keep talking about person until they, like, philosophize their way into hell. Um, anyways, that didn't mean to go on a tangent, but the, uh, more and more, because we try to do this. And if a Muslim came in right now and said that, I guarantee I'd participate in the conversation and kick myself later. But I mean, that's exactly where this leads. So I, I would just say, look, there's Jesus. Seek Jesus. Pray to Jesus if you care. If you don't, and if they're debating you here, it's probably because they have their mind made up, but that's fine. 
you know, with God, all things are possible, not necessarily with us, though. So, um, you know, we can't convince them. But if they truly have a heart to seek and they truly want to know about this Jesus, pray to Jesus. You'll get spiritual discernment. The Trinity is going to start making a whole lot of sense. And your idea of person or your questions about persons and what is a person it's like, what is a woman? Good Lord. Um, all these questions are going to dissipate and you're going to get the answers you previously eluded you. Um, and it's going to come straight from spiritual revelation from God, not someone using human logic and human wisdom. Um, so I, I say all that to say, all right, Albie, <laughs> can you uh, drop some human wisdom on us? How would you define a person for this guy? <laughs> yeah, no, pr praise God. So number one, they're, where are they deriving their definition from? Most people do it out of uh, out of uh, Webster's dictionary. Well, the apostles nor the uh, prophets of old did not have that dictionary. So, how would they define person? By simply in the Hebrew would be panim, which is face, and in the Greek it would be prosopan, right? Which is also face, but it can also mean presence. Other than that, there is no actual term for person. So uh, in the Hebrew, again, it's panim. Like, for example, in Exodus chapter 20, verse 3, if you, if you look at the Hebrew, it says, You shall have no other gods before my faces. Why the plural for faces? Well, because you have the angel of his face, right, which is the word of the Lord. And you also have... Uh, the spirit of the Lord, who's also the presence or the face of the Lord, right? Um, not that, you know, and there are times where, you know, Moses is also called uh, faces, but in this regard, it would be, uh, these are the faces of the Lord or the presence of the Lord, right? So th that, that would be a short answer, right? A person who has a rational thought, self-awareness and awareness that others exist can speak and be spoken to. Thank you, brother. So in other words, in a personal being, not an impersonal being, like a rock has being, but it's impersonal. It doesn't speak or communicate or have rational thought. Yeah, also face denotes like a person because we recognize other people by their face. Like if Albie were to walk up to me and be like, this is Albie. Like I would know that's a specific person. But if a guy that kind of looked like Albie, I'd be like, hey, that guy kind of looks like Albie, but it's not actually Right. Presences. All right. Hey, Mr. Michael, are you a person? Uh, last time I checked. Uh, morning, everybody. Uh, I have a lot to say. There was so much said. Um, I think it was very interesting. The, the gentleman that you said you had to move down to the audience said some really interesting things uh, when, in regards to um, faith. And I think there was a little bit of a conflation between faith and knowledge there. And, and it's funny because it, it sounded like he said, like in a, in a roundabout way, that, um, you know, that, that faith can help you know. Um, I'd be curious to see if that's what he actually meant, because, of course, that doesn't make any sense. Um, but it, it's, it, it, it's very interesting. I mean, like when I was, so when I was a Christian. Second. Hello, can you hear me? Uh, yeah, where'd that come from? Yeah, it was weird. Uh, I just disconnected my, uh, my hands for a second. Um, I, I, 
this is something that I that I used to think about a lot when I when I believed, right? And you know, the the verse that uh, somebody quoted Hebrews eleven, right, where it says, "Without faith, it's impossible to please God." Um, and it, oddly enough, that was one of the things that that started causing me trouble with my faith, is that <clears throat> I no longer had the capacity to believe, right? And and even though, like, so knowledge is a subset of belief, right? So you can you can believe something but not know it, but you can't know something if you don't believe it. And so it, it's it's really interesting when when it get when this kind of stuff gets talked about because there's there seems to be this at least with some people, I shouldn't make too broad a statement, but there seems to be this little bit of a misunderstanding that, 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 that faith, and this, this may blow up your room and I apologize a little bit. Um, it seems to me that faith is not a reliable pathway to truth. And the reason that I say that is because you can have faith in something, you can believe that it's true and you can still be wrong. And so when you look at all, not, a, not only the different faith traditions or people with a lack of a faith tradition, but, you know, with, with anything at all, it, like, you know, you can have quote unquote faith that your spouse is, you know, is not cheating on you. You can have faith in lots of things. It doesn't necessarily make it true. And, and but, but still, when somebody says I have faith in, in this thing, I, I don't give them a hard time about it because they, they believe it and they became convinced for whatever reason they became convinced about it. But yeah, I think that's that's it. it. It's it was really interesting to hear you go kind of back and forth with that other guy, and it's it's too bad that you felt like you had to move him. But anyway, uh, well, yeah, and he's still going on. So you know, for the record, by the way, anyone else that wants to say something or have a conversation, jump on up to stage or ask your question in chat. Um, but yeah, since he's still blowing it up, he's like, Nate kicks me for this and this and this. No, Nate told you why Nate kicked you. Um, is it weird if I refer to myself three times in the third person? Yeah, third um, person's weird. Doesn't make me a trinity. Um, anyways, well, the reason I'm gonna say it again. No, bro, the reason I kicked you, I told you, right? Like, we kept going back and forth. The conversation was an end. No one was making any headway. You refused to understand what we were saying. But the biggest thing why I actually kicked you is because you wouldn't shut up. Like, you just kept over-talking me. So don't do that. I'm, I'm like one of the most lenient mods here. I routinely get rolled over, and I just pipe down and let people speak for a while. So if you can't make it here, you can't make it anywhere, which may be why you're still here. But, yeah, it's over-talking. Not because you're so amazing and I'm so dumb and wouldn't let you, you know, own me or whatever. Um, it's for over-talking. Very simple. Um, hey, doctor, what's up? Oh, wait, uh, Michael, to your point. Um, yeah, so I'd say, you know, faith may not be reliable, right? But you have faith. You have, you can have faith for good and bad reasons. Basically, evidence. Let's talk about faith is um, hope without, without evidence. But I would say, well, look, you have some evidence. So if someone's a Christian now, I, I believe more. Um, I believe my faith is more evidence-based now than it once was. Like, as far back as I can remember, um, you know, my parents are like, hey, there's a God. I'm like, okay. You may say that may not be a reliable way to believe in faith. But at this point, it's like, well, you know, we have the gospel. So if we if we reasonably believe these eyewitness of testimonies are true, the myriad of them, um, and I do, and I think there's like good scholarship to back that up that you know these are not forgeries these are not fakes they came from different people in different times years apart um yet the set testimonies are there so it's like if you believe and not just the resurrection but i mean if you believe these miracles and these eyewitness testimonies then now you have more evidence and now your evidence is historical not just some ethereal well i hope that i think that i believe this now you have some historical evidence um i mean it may not be empirical that may be the way the thing everyone wants but that's the thing we have the least of even in this natural world, right? Like compared to like what science can de demonstrably prove over and over and test and repeat, um, compared to the amount of knowledge we claim we have is minuscule. So it's not like a Christian or a theist problem. That's the plight of humanity. 
Um, especially when largely like religions are dealing with metaphysical things that science is like, yeah, bro, we cannot speak to that. We have one job to explain our natural world. So it's uh, anyways, so I'd say that, and it's like, if someone believes their wife isn't cheating on them because they were a creep and like followed her around with a private eye and cameras and had recordings of her whole life. And they're like, well, I have faith. She's not cheating. Cause I've spied on her every day for 10 years. It's like, wow. Um, you have very good reason uh, to believe that she's not cheating on you. Um, you're a little creepy and maybe she should run away from you, but that is very good evidence for this faith you have. Um, if you're like, well, no, you know, she comes home late from night at work and says it was this. And then, you know, her friend called, they were supposed to be in a work meeting and said she wasn't there. Where is she? I don't know. I have faith she's not cheating, but that faith may be pretty darn shaky. So I'd, I'd say that. So, you know, people believe in God, maybe because they're scared of the dark. I'd say that's a little rough if they believe in a God because, you know, they have like a spiritual revelation, which I would also not discount. I would say that's happened to me as well. Um, so, you know, all these other things that say, OK, well, I mean, it seems like you have subjective evidence that you place in high regard. It sounds like you've worked it out logically and, you know, thoughtfully. Great. Still doesn't make anything true or false, but sure. there's reasonable yeah. and unreasonable. Yeah, yeah, and I and I, I think that's a really good. I think that that's a really good point. I think that you know we like again, uh, you know, another scary point that you and I uh, come to agreement <laughs> on is you know is is you know w what it may be convincing you know to someone or, or someone else. I do lean slightly to more towards em empiricism, um, and uh, one of the things that I've always appreciated about you, you Nate, is the fact that you know you'll you will willingly say I can't prove to you that God exists. I get very skeptical of people when someone says that they can prove that God exists. And when I, and I've heard some people say that they have scientific evidence for God. And then I laugh at them because that's not even possible. Um, but it, you know, and, and I never discount someone's personal revelation. Um, and we, we've, we've talked about this a, a lot. Um, and I think for the person that experiences that, like a person who has a, some kind of personal experience, I don't think there's any better evidence that person will experience, but, but the, the plural of anecdote is not proof. And so, you know, hence why, you know, I'm still where, where I am today. But no, I, I think, again, once again, you and I are in relative uh, agreement. And I'd be curious to hear what both uh, Brother and uh, Albie uh, and, and Felix have to say about that, because they've heard me talk about all this stuff a lot, too. Well, uh, can I get uh, in for brother? one second? Um, so, uh, Mike, well, I just wanted to say, sometimes faith is the only way to get to the truth you're, you, that you're looking for. So, for instance, practical example, Minnesota Vikings were down 33-0 to zero against Indianapolis Colts earlier this year. No team in the history of, of football had ever come back from that amount. Kirk Cousins is Christian, and their team had faith that they could come back. Without that faith... They wouldn't have tried as hard, right? Most teams in that situation may just start giving up. So there was no evidence they could win. It was 99% that they would not win. So how about that sort of situation? You know what? And then, yeah, brother and Albie and whoever else you invoked, we'll give them a chance to speak if they remember. But CEO, I think you just wanted to use that example. It's a good way to work in football. But I totally agree. Right? Like, I think that point is is valid. I mean, this is my hypothesis. I have no idea if it's true. But like where Jesus says, look, basically, you have to have faith. So he's the only way uh, you know, to the Father. So if you have faith, then you know, this doorway, this gateway by which Jesus is, is you 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 know, go through Jesus to get to this, to this heaven place. If you have faith and believe, then that gateway, that connection, whatever it is that, you know, you go through Jesus to get to that exists, that's realized, that's tangible. But if you don't believe you're just in an open vacuum and there is no doorway, there is no gateway, there is no, no connection because you don't believe. 
So it's like you, you actualize it by believing. So that's kind of what you said, CEO. Like, you know, without that motivation, without that belief, they would have just been, had defeatist attitude and they probably would have lost. So it's like by having faith, you can, and I, goodness, I don't mean like, you know, using the Holy Spirit as a force or stuff like that. But I mean, just by believing it, now it exists. If you don't believe, it doesn't exist until you believe it, or at least in a practical way that you can realize of it. Brother, do you remember what Michael said he'd like to hear your thoughts on? He did call you if you're able to speak. Uh, he can clarify and everything, but I was thinking earlier about faith. You know, the Bible admittedly says that there are hard sayings in there. And, you know, the people that left Jesus because of his hard sayings, I would say that they had blind faith. They didn't have a gracious faith. You know, the point that we need faith is valid. You know, as Chris talks about, he talks about fiducia and a census, the difference between differences between different kinds of belief and stuff like that is basically what we're talking about and uh basically we need gracious faith not blind faith you know faith by itself uh whenever we read that in the bible we want to presume that it's gracious faith and not blind faith and that it's powered by the grace of god and Michael, who else did you say you'd like to hear from? What, uh, Al, I'm sure Albie was in there. Who else did you say? Yeah, Albie and, and me and uh, Felix, I guess. Yeah, let's give you guys a chance. Felix, do you want to speak on this or are you busy working? I'm going to take those busy working. Albie, <laughs> how about you? I, I actually missed what, uh, what Michael said. Well, there you go, Michael. <laughs> I, I apologize. I was away from my desk. I know, it's no, no, it's no worries. It is interesting what, what CEO said. So I guess one, one interesting way to, to look at that would be to look at the opposite teams. And I forget who it was. I think you said Indianapolis and somebody else. I, I wasn't paying attention to the teams because I'm not super into football. But anyway, um, ask me about Formula One teams. Um, but no, it, it's, it, it would be curious to see if people on the opposing team had also prayed for a favorable result. And I think that's probably statistically inevitable, given the makeup of um, the populace of the United States. Yeah, and I, I mean, that that's interesting. But then tying that with CEO's example, if both people prayed, both people had faith, well, then both teams just try really, really hard, and eventually one will one will win. So then you can go like super just, you know, be like, well, it was the will of God that these teams won. Or you could just say, well, no, faith, the faith actualized in CEO's example was they basically believed hard. It gave the motivation and they went out and God could be face following and be like, remember when I said pray in my will? I don't care about this. I don't care about you people making as much money as, you know, you're, you're trying to compete with me for wealth. Um, I don't care about that. My will is use some of that wealth and give it to the poor. That's my will. Why don't you guys pray for that? Um, so then there's that route. But I, I think uh, CEO's point about the motivation, like, yeah, like, I mean, you could say that became a self-fulfilling prophecy. But then to say, like, well, you know, God totally ordained this victory or God totally willed this. Um, well, is either of those really in the will of God? I mean, you know, someone had to be the winner and the loser. Well, I don't know. Um, that's what Chris would say. If, if Chris were here right now, he'd say the outcome is a foregone conclusion. Well, well, yeah, right. I mean, like, you know, the, the will of God because God knew and God controls all molecules versus like the will of God, like he has a favorite football team. Um, when he'd be like, no, man, my will is go, you know, he tells you, right. It's like visit people in prison, give to the needy, clothe the needy, uh, you know, feed the hungry, things like that. That's the will of God. So pray that way. 
Yeah, no, I, I don't. I don't think that CEOs um, uh, uh, thought. I, I think it's. I think it's an interesting point, and and I think it, it would be, you know, kind of an interesting uh, kind of like exercise, you know, to, to go to you know to go through and see. Okay, you know, who else, right? You know, what I mean, because um, it's funny. The Templeton Foundation, uh, something like fifteen years or so ago, did a did a study on the efficacy of intercessory prayer. And they actually, and the Templeton Foundation is is massively religious, um, and they, they give away a prize every year called the Templeton Prize, which is usually given away to people who, you know, say something nice about God. Um, but uh, they they did this study on intercessory prayer, and they found out that um, people who basically pray harder, in their study, found they had actually worse outcomes. So it would be curious, and, and I'm not saying that that's evidence that God doesn't exist. Is that it's uh, if you compare that to the football score, be curious to go back, you know, if you could and say, hey, you know, look at the other team. Hey, did, did you pray? Do you believe in God? Do you, you know, and, and so on and so forth to see because but then it goes back to what you said. Right. Because if you know, if, if all the things you're saying are true, then God certainly doesn't give a flying about the outcome of a football game. Right. Like that would not be. And if and if, if he does, we've got bigger problems. So, um you know, but it does go to, you know, like, oh, you know, who prayed harder or something like that or or who prayed with greater faith. You know, I think is something Mike, like that. But anyway, Mike, I think Matt, it's an say, I, yeah, Matt, say something on that. So have you considered that James 1, 6 speaks about praying according to the will of God? But then Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 26 says that people outside of uh, the will of God or people outside of the body of Christ are doing the will of Satan. Since Satan has a will. That's Second Timothy chapter two, verse twenty-six. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I mean, so I mean, it, it well brings that that brings up a couple of interesting points, right? So it's like you know, so um, you could you could think, well, you know, it's like, well, um, does this fall under the decretive will or the permissive will kind of thing, right? That I've I've you know I've spoken to Matt Slick about this kind of stuff, and we've had decent conversations about it, right? And so, which one of these do you think it would it would fall under, you know? And um, I think that's something else to consider. But that's an interesting point, Al. Does your faith um, have to be? Well, I only. Does your Sorry, faith I, I, have to be based well, on, on what God said? Hang on so one second. Come, I yeah. I want to. If I go, hang on. I, I want to move down the line. We've got a bunch of people. I just want to like make sure none of them have anything to say. Heretic, you were the next one. Do you want to say anything? Three, two, one. Doctor, what's up? Do you want to say anything about this or anything else? Uh, just my, want to give my, you guys a chance to speak. Who's been the up audience? I'm so sorry. That was my bad. What, Steph? I Michael what? was. I accidentally moved him to the audience, but I'm just letting him know it was me. Sorry. Wow, Steph. Wow. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um. ID, I'm still you? here. I'm still here. What are you talking about? The other, the mic oh. at the bottom who was just talking. Sorry. Oops. Oh, okay. Uh, ID, do you want to, we don't hear you if you're speaking. I see your mic's unmuted, but maybe it's a clubhouse problem. Usually if you leave and come back, that fixes it. Uh, Caleb, what's up? Hey. What's on your mind? Yeah, no. So I didn't want to, uh, I kind of wanted to go over what Michael had brought up earlier about prayer, because that's kind of an area that I'm been working our best uh, I don't know two or three years now in terms of like intercessory prayer and stuff like that with the um, but he brought the Templeton study and I and that is a good point that he did um, although there are various studies on intercessory prayer and probably unsurprisingly they do have mixed results so there are studies like like Michael Bird back in I think the 90s that did a similar experiment that had positive results and there are ones that have negative results or neutral results so 
I agree with that. But I think methodologically, I don't think it's going to be helpful to like do a study where you have a group who's prayed for and a group who's not and see who gets better, right? Because I think you just can't predict if we are hypothesizing a God, who God, because I think everyone would agree that God doesn't heal everyone. Like that's just evidently obvious. So if your hypothesis is that God will heal anyone who has faith, I mean, I, I disagree with that theological, but I just think that's just evidently not true. Um, but if your hypothesis is that sometimes he does it, heal people and sometimes he doesn't, then I don't think you can do it as like a predictive of let's see if he does it here, right? If you're going to study that kind of stuff, you have to do it by like a retroactive one where you look at individual case studies where people claim to have gotten better then you control for other factors like could this be spontaneous remission, placebo effect, other, et cetera, et cetera. And so, like, and so you kind of at least rule out other natural alternatives in specific cases. So if you are going to do it that way, that's how I think you would do it if you're investigating how God prays. But you really do have to look at what would this look like if God didn't answer the prayer, right? Like how would we know if God did or didn't answer a prayer or didn't positively answer a prayer? He could say no, but didn't answer it according to your will, right? Like versus it just happening by chance or through other means without God intervening. So yeah, those are just thoughts yeah. I was... No, that's, that, that's a really interesting point too. You know, it's like, you know, and did, you know, oh God healed me of my cancer. Well, did, did you have chemo? Right. That might be right. something to consider. Um, you know, and uh, uh, also there's the, there's the other uh, thing is that, you know, you could, you know, you run these tests, but you know, the Bible says, you know, thou shalt, thou shalt not put the Lord thy God to the test. So that's interesting too. Um, well, um, Michael, I, I just wanted to come back to, uh, I responded the way I did originally because you said you didn't think faith was a good way to get to truth. So in yeah, the scenarios yeah, where the odds are against you, right? So a kid from the urban city who wants to become a millionaire one day, right? The odds are 99.9% .9 chance that won't happen. The sports situations, there's many situations in life where the analytical data, all the evidence is completely against you. My argument is faith is the most powerful tool for you in that situation because it can give you the strength to overcome the odds. Yeah, I mean, I think that point was, I mean, I agree. I mean, Mike, Michael's a pretty smart guy. It's, I mean, I think, Michael, you get the point, right? Hey, Nate, it's kind of like you can, you can learn to walk and you can learn to run if you're blind, but it makes it so much easier if you can see. I, sorry, I had to go back there. I, I do agree. And I mean, I want to get through the last few people first. Um, yeah, no, no yeah, and, and Nate, yeah, and just to just to close that up, we you know totally move on, right? It's, no, I, I I do I do agree with what it was that that you were saying, um, and maybe we can have a discussion about the whole knowledge, you know, pathway to truth uh, later if people still want to. Uh, Mello, what's up? Are you speaking? Okay, Three. I didn't know. Yep. Yeah, I didn't know if I was in the correct PTR order here. Um, yep. Okay, um, yeah, and maybe Albi, I know that he's talked to Muslims um, before, but I heard a verse brought up yesterday that I found interesting, and I wonder if you could address it, 17.3, um, John 17.3, and uh, Albi would probably know um, what I'm talking about there. Are you there, Albi? Yeah, I'm there. This is eternal life, God. that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ. Uh, I'm, I'm just curious when a Muslim raises this up, uh, the first thing to ask, right, is, are you taking the scripture as authority? Because why quote John 17, three, if it's not authoritative and if it's authoritative, 
what kind of uh, dummy begins a uh, begins a book in the, at the end of it in John seventeen three? Why doesn't he start in John one one? And I'll be. But how, does, it, how does Jesus start in John seventeen three? And is that yeah. okay for a Muslim to say? No, it's 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 impossible to say that God has a son, nor does the son have a uh, nor does a yeah God does not have a son, nor does Christ have a father, and on top of that. Why is he praying, looking up, when he's supposed to be uh, facing down? If we yep. read from verse yep. two and on, and on top of that, <laughs> Christ is the one to say that he's giving eternal life. So, do you, Mister Muslim, also believe that Jesus is the one who gives eternal life, since that's something spiritual that only a spiritual being can give, right? Because according to the Quran, Allah is the only one that can give you life or give death. So by the time you get to John 17, 3, uh, I would say this. Wouldn't it then be idolatry to say this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom uh, you have sent? That's shirk because that's Christ putting himself on the same level as the Father by saying this is eternal life that they may know you and me. But on top of that, People assume that the word, uh, you know, this is eternal life, that they may know you. They assume the you modifies the only, which is not true. They're reading it backwards. It's actually, uh, the way to read it is real simple. The word only modifies the word true, which then modifies the word God. So the Father is the only true God but not to the exclusion of the Son or the Spirit, since in verse 5, he then goes on to say, uh, and now, Father, and he's petitioning, right? And now, Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory I shared with you before the world was. And then if we really want to get deep into it, we can just break down all of John or get to First John and show where Christ is called the true God and eternal life in First John 5.20. But in short, that, that would be the answer. Yeah, Melo, does that uh, answer your question? Yep. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Thanks, Albie. Uh, Joshua, a rare appearance on stage. What's up? Oh, not too much. Thanks for having me up. I'm just hanging out. Okay. All right, Michael, you're up. So, okay, so here's an other Michael. Sorry, oh, other Michael. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just um, I just want to make a quick comment. Um, when people were talking about faith, and I thought that you all believed that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So how can you truly have faith or how can your faith be true if you're believing things that the creator Yah never said? Like what? What would Yah peace be about? Well, the whole, the whole, oh well, the whole New Testament. There are no prophets of Yah in the New Testament. There's no. Uh, yes, there is actually. So when okay, yes, well, hold is. on. Can you not interrupt yeah, me and let me land my point? Then you can. Well, yeah, can on. you not yeah, be triggered? Well, what on, wait, about wait, the Holy wait, Spirit? Wait, stop, everyone, stop! Oh my gosh. Okay, Michael, Michael number two, we'll call you. Please continue. Give us like a minute or whatever. Go ahead and talk, and no one interrupt him. And Albie, you can be the first one to answer him. So. Go ahead, unmute Michael number two, and tell us what Yah says, and then Albie can respond uh, first. Go ahead. Okay, yeah, and um, 
Isaiah, prophet of Yah, in Isaiah 8.20, it says, to the law and to the testimony. If they speak not according to this word, it's because there's no light in them. And Amos 3.7 says, surely the Lord God will do nothing, no thing, but he reveals his secrets unto his servants, his prophets. So now no thing means nothing. So when you get into the so-called New Testament, there are no prophets of Yah speaking. Yah is not speaking to anyone in the New Testament, period. Okay. So now when you put your faith in that which you think is the word or something that Yah says, then it is not only blind faith, but it's false faith or faith in other things other than thus saith Yah in the law and the prophets. All right. So, uh, yeah, Albie, you can go ahead and respond, and I would just say uh, Jesus is Yah. So when he speaks in red, that is Yah. Uh, go ahead, Albie. Yeah, so even if I uh, keep in mind, even if I were to mention where prophets are mentioned, where Christ, like, let's say, for example, in Matthew 23, verse 34, which is cross-referenced with Luke eleven forty nine, he says, I will send you prophets, scribes, and some of them you will kill, some of them you will scourge. We know that Agabus was a prophet. We know that in Acts chapter 11, verse 27, there were prophets coming to Antioch from Jerusalem where Christians were first named Christians, as in uh, the disciples were first called Christians by these prophets, right? Moreover, he says there's no thus says. Well, actually there is. It's called, it's Acts 21, verse 11. And I'll show and demonstrate this by going to it. In Acts 21, verse 11, here you go. And it says, when he had come to us, he met us. In fact, let me read 10 so you know who, who's speaking there. Now this, he, uh, now this man had four virgin daughters who prophesied. And as we stayed many days, a certain prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. When he had come down to us, he took Paul's belt, bound his own hands and feet and said, thus says the Holy Spirit. So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. There's your thus says. So no matter what we quote, though, he's going to sit there and say, well, that's not. Uh, yeah, well, actually, it is. It's your misinterpretation of the Hebrew scriptures, which I'll be gladly to expose to the glory of Jesus. Well, let's get a little bit okay. of back and forth. Well, oh. um, so, Michael, so, Michael, I'd say. Yeah, and so, well, I guess you can respond to that. We'll go back and forth a little bit, but I mean, ultimately, don't make we're going to disagree, true. but I would, so but both, I would say... So both of y'all are correct. Uh, oh, why why you um, cut me off? So I, I just want to, yeah, if you want to respond to Albie, but also, what I mean, what's the Jesus's yacht part? Like, you know, he says a lot of stuff, and a lot of people saw it and witnessed him fly into heaven and all this other stuff. So how do you say that... Um, He's not Yah would be my question, but you can respond to Albie if you want. Well, first. well, first of all, first of all, none of this is possible without Christ to rise from the dead on the third day. And if you go to Luke chapter 24, verse uh, 46, in context of First Corinthians 15, 17, which says, if Christ be not risen, that your faith is in vain and you're yet in your sins. You've been tricked. It's a hoax. Now. Jesus says the words are in red. So he did say these words. He says that it is written that Christ would rise from the dead on the third day. Well, when we check, it's not written. The creator Yah never said Christ 
is to rise from the dead on the third day. So that's your foundation. And it is not cracked, but it's totally missing. Oh, boy. Did you read the well, part just in, in John okay. where Jesus explains So where is it written that yeah. Christ would rise from the dead on the third day? In the law You talked to them in the scriptures and revealed to them where it was, right? Where? Where? Where is, the, where is it? Where is it written? Yeah. So, I mean, so Isaiah 6 is one area, I think, right? Where it's he No, not I think. Let's go to Isaiah 6 and find Christ to rise from the dead on the third day. Because you're lying on the anything that Albie said. Well, yeah, let's go there. Where is it written? Christ is to rise from the dead on the third day. So yeah, we so can you, put our so faith. So you don't get, you don't so get, we to, can put our you don't faith get to say how with, the scriptures are said. We know that there are typologies all throughout scripture. Just like Christ is not, he's called, uh, he's called Adam. He's called the last Adam. We know that Christ is also called the ark, right? Where we receive rest. We know that um, <clears throat> through the Christ, we'll also receive uh, forgiveness of sins, right? And that would be, you know, on and on. He's a he's a greater David. He's a greater Noah. He's the greater, uh, you know, Abraham. He's a greater all of these. But here, let me ask you this question: When did Abraham receive Isaac, the promised seed, from the de from the dead? So you're going to skip over my my. I'm swap? asking you a question. Since you decided to move the goalposts, don't talk over me. Don't speak oh, over me. Oh, hang on, wait, wait, hang on. Who sounds triggered now? So, um, yeah, Alba, you can finish that. But it, look, this is missing the forest and the trees. Like, get your phylactery on. You are a Pharisee. Of course, you're going to say you're not, but practically, that's what you are. So you're quibbling over the jot and tittle of the words, and you're missing the cornerstone, which is Christ. So, first of all, it is written. It is written where? In Scripture, which Albie's going to talk about, or it was written in the dirt. And that's one of the things that Jesus, you know, couldn't be recorded because if the words of Christ and the miracles he did was recorded, there wouldn't be paper in the heavens to contain them. So it's not the easy out you think it is which Albie can speak to in a minute where it actually is. But look, what's the bigger thing? Jesus says it is written, so you know it is written somewhere. But then you're trying to say um, that he didn't resurrect. So are you then saying that because everyone saw him, there's eyewitness testimonies, he hung out with them, walked through walls, did miracles for 40 days, and then people saw him ascend into heaven alive? So you're saying because it is written, you have a problem with that, but you're over here trying to figure out where it is written when Jesus is over here flying up to heaven. Be like, yep, I'm alive. I was once dead and now I live forevermore. I have the keys of death, hell, and the grave. No one can take my life. I brought it back up again. Here I am flying away to heaven. Everyone's watching me. While in the meantime, you're over here saying, well, wait, I don't understand it is written. Where is it is written? Show me it is written. Where, where is this? It's like Jesus is resurrecting. He's flying up in the clouds right now. Like, how are you missing that? I, I want to say this is where Jesus would say whitewashed tombs. But anyways, Albie, go ahead with what you were saying. Sorry. Yeah, absolutely. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, if we read 3 and on, he says that Christ would uh, resurrect according to the scriptures. So there would be numerous scriptures. We know the way the scriptures are laid out. Scriptures are laid out in such a way where they, ultimate, they ultimately point to uh, <clears throat> the fulfillment of the Messiah's role. While the Jews themselves, right, have it all wrong by interpreting the scripture, well, this is about Hezekiah, well, this is about Zerubbabel, well, this is about uh, Joshua, the son of Jehoshaphat. No, 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 no. From Genesis to Malachi, right, their, <clears throat> the scriptures point to a 
the Messiah, the Messiah, who's going to come and do all these things. So let's just use Isaac as, as an example. When did Abraham receive Isaac from the grave? Well, he received him from the grave on the third day. What do I mean by that? How much time are you going to give me? Do I have two minutes, three minutes? Yeah, go ahead. And then we'll yeah, oh, finish. Just oh. say everything you want to say, and then we'll move on to the next person. Okay. In Genesis 22, when we start reading from verse 2, it says, he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac. Notice, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I should tell you. Right? And we know in First Chronicles 3, verse 1, Solomon built a temple on Mount Moriah. Right? So notice, at this point, Isaac is as good as dead because when the Lord commands something, he means it. Right. So he's he, he's going to be doing this. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey and went ahead. Now notice verse four. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place from afar. So notice on the third day. So for the past three days, Isaac has been good as dead to him. Now, Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering in verse six. He laid it on Isaac, his son, just like Christ. Um he had the wood in which he would be offered up on, laid up on himself as he carries his instrument of death onto the mountain in which he would be crucified. Isaac asks, where is the lamb for the burnt offering? His father, uh, Abraham, answers, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. Then they came to the place of which God had told him, and Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar. Abraham stretched out his hand, took it, took the knife to slay the, uh, to his son, and the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, saying, Abraham, Abraham. He said, Here I am. Do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by his horns, so Abraham went and took the ram. But I thought Abraham said a lamb would be um, would be uh, there. Well, yeah, not everything happens on our timing. You see, the ram, which represents a king that's caught in a rose bush, just like Christ, his inauguration in John 19, verse 5, when they put the crown of, the crown of uh, thorns on his head and the purple robe, that was his inauguration in John 19, 5. And for him to saddle up on the cross as his throne. Same thing happened here. And upon receiving Isaac back from the dead on the third day, notice what will happen. I will, I will bless you, right, and multiply your seeds. Well, that's exactly what we see finding out in Isaiah 53, verse 10. After he resurrects, the suffering servant resurrects, he shall see his seed. See his seed. Right. Well, that's Christ seeing his spiritual seed. And on top of that, and again, long story short, on top of that, Eliezer, the servant of Abraham, shortly after that, went to go seek out a bride for his son, Isaac. And so after the resurrection and ascension and enthronement in heaven, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit uh, was done and uh, Christ and his bride became formulated. Can I also just say real fast, Nate, Psalm 1610 is directly quoted in Acts 2 by Peter in terms of being referring to Christ about you will not let your Holy One see corruption or rot from the grave. 
and he interprets that as saying it's not about David, it's about Jesus rising from the dead. So if you want an actual like specific verse, Psalm 16.10. But yeah, Albi has a good uh, good typology there with Abraham and Isaac. Well, that was uh, fantastic, but Michael didn't listen to a word of it because he was just spamming the chat with nonsense. So thank you both, though. That benefited everyone. Well, I mean, like, you know, like we we hope, I mean, you know, it would be great if people, you know, fell on their face and repented before God and believed. But it's fine as long (laughs) as they don't go completely off the rails, because, uh, you know, even if they don't believe that um, and we think they should, they can at least hear the gospel a lot. So who knows? Maybe 20 years from now. When he's in a certain kind of way somewhere, somewhere wherever life takes him, um, he'll be like, "Oh no, my life's awful." Um, maybe, I'll, maybe I remember what those Christians said, like you know, because I kept hearing it over and over and over. Maybe I'll finally pray to this guy. Um, be like, "Yah Christ, are you there? The the one that tells us how we can have eternal life for free." So you know, even if someone is like you know spamming or trolling or whatever, as long as they don't go completely nuts, so um, I'm happy to have them here so they can at least hear the gospel a lot. Anyway, wow, Nate, did you have an optimism smoothie this morning? That was pretty good. (laughs) I was extra downer yesterday. I just came back in the room. I just want to say hi, Steph. Good morning. I didn't see you were there. Hi, uh, Chris Claus. What's up? You've not well, you spoke a little bit, but what's up? Hey, what's up, guys? Uh, God bless everybody in the room. Uh, I had a debate last night with a Unitarian, so I'm going to provide. Uh, a quick rundown of his best argument uh, from Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. So here it says that Christ, of course, who being in the morphe of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but of course emptied himself and took the morphe of a servant. So the Unitarian defined morphe as like a, a stance or a style type thing. So like... Um, it wasn't like, it, it was weird. Um, so he would say that Jesus, during his lifetime, when after he was born of the Virgin Mary, somehow had some type of kingly status. And that, so it was status that he would use Morphe for. So it was, he would define it as status. So he said that Jesus had some type of kingly status. And then the emptying was him emptying himself of the messianic authority that was bestowed upon him. And then he was in the fashion of a servant at that point, after he emptied himself of the messianic authority. Um, I laughed and I responded to it, but how would you guys respond to that? Yeah. I honestly, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I, I would simply respond by number one, quoting Second Corinthians chapter eight, verse nine, where it says, <clears throat> "You know, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus, that though he was rich, he became poor for our sakes, that through his poverty we might become rich." Well, the question is, Mister uh, Mister Griffin, when was he ever rich? Then he became poor, right? And then on top of that, how the morphe is. Um, used in scripture would be glory although he exists right and it's existing it's not just existed but existing right Um, he's existing uh, in the glory of God he didn't consider it equality right 
but rather emptied himself, which means he himself did the emptying. And what, what is the emptying? The emptying is taking on the morphe or the glory of a man. And Paul speaks of these different types of glories, right? And this is why we see that glory that's intrinsic to him was wrapped in flesh, right? And there's a few times where the disciples saw it, like, for example, in Luke chapter 5, verse 7 and 8, or when Peter saw it, he said, Lord, depart from me, for I'm a w- wicked sinner. Uh, we know at the Mount of Transfiguration in Matthew 17, verse 2, right? Mark chapter 9, 1 through 8, and even in Luke chapter 9, um, we see him transfiguring prior to the Father coming on scene, showing that that glory is intrinsic to him. So it's... Uh, and, and on top of that, Paul's not even trying to make a theological point there, since this was actually an early hymn that was sung amongst the Christians, right? And this is called, uh, you know, uh, the Kenosis hymn, right? So it was a hymn that was sung amongst, amongst the Christians, and it's supposed to tell us how we are ought to be. We should take, uh, you know, we should humble ourselves if God Almighty humbled himself, how much more should we humble ourselves and take the, you know, and consider one another over ourselves? Uh, Chris, yeah, you remember you, that verbatim? Will you do also, I tell back to the guy? <laughs> yeah, we, we also can see the, that you, yeah. We already had the debate uh, yeah. last night. And yeah, I resp- responded basically the same type of way but i basically define morphe the way that the greek scholars would it was like an outward appearance right it was an aristotelian language that was used by paul but just not the full language of it and that's the way you can see the same thing when the morphe of a servant uh comes up as well right so i i did explain it that way um i didn't go to as many verses of course as uh as our encyclopedia albi does here the biblical encyclopedia um, but yeah, uh, basically the same way. And the only pro- the other problem that he had was in verse 10, where it says God has highly exalted him. He said, uh, hyper actively exalted him above the state that he was in. So he was trying to say that <laughs> he was, a he was raising him above the state before he emptied himself. I was like, that's not what the verse is saying. The verse is saying that he was in the form of a servant. He willingly went to the death of the cross by crucifixion. Then he was raised highly exalted after that, which means he was resurrected back into the glory with the father, right alongside, right to the right side of the father. But he just couldn't get over it. He couldn't get, he couldn't understand it. Um, and I'd even ask him, I was like, is there any Greek Unitarian scholar that agrees with your translation of it. Uh, he couldn't even give me one. All yeah. right, hang on. Uh, yeah, Michael, that's not a problem. For one second. There's one more guy. Daniel, what's up? Do you want to say anything? Light some fires? Throw some bombs? Oh, yeah. How's it going, everyone? Yeah, I, I do have a quick question. Um, it's about some of the language found in Romans uh, 6. Particularly, I want wanted to get uh, everyone's feedback understanding of this term quote um dead to sin and i'm just going to read just a bit uh romans 6 so 
What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we may live a new life. So I have uh, two parts of my question is, what is understood by uh, dead to sin? And also, why is there a comparison to the death of Christ and that being his a baptism into death? Sorry, Jesus was baptized into his death. So, uh, yeah, so baptism and uh, dead to sin. What is meant here in Romans 6? If anyone wants to answer that, thank you. Yeah, so dead to sin means like, you know, whenever, whenever eh, we're going to cover a lot, but two birds, one stone. When it says like, you know, I've been crucified with Christ, yet it's not I who live in me. Like Paul says a lot of things like this, and it means by, by us being new creations. So we're told that we're a new creature in Christ. So we don't have the identity of sin. Like before you're born again, you have like a bent to go towards sin. Like like that's that's where you like spiritually you you are pulled or pushed in that direction. Well, whenever you are alive in Christ, you're a new creation. You know, we're told where we're given a new heart, a heart of flesh instead of a heart of stone. Throw back to old T. Um, but that's why. So like sin is not our natural state. That's not our identity, even though we can still be tempted and can still sin because we contend with this flesh. And Paul talks about, you know, I do the thing I don't want to do and the thing I don't want to do. I do wretched man who will save me. Praise be to our Lord and Savior, Yah Christ. Um, but that's what it means. So de dead and sin means you you are free, like you're not controlled. You're not spiritually pulled towards this chasm of sin. You're a new creation. So you're pulled towards uh towards heaven you're pulled toward christ um that's that's what it means but albie you started to say something yeah no i i agree like in ephesians 2 verse 1 it says and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of the this world according to the prince of the power of the air notice according to the prince of the power of the air the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and whereby children of wrath by nature, just as the others. We see the same concept in Colossians chapter 2, 11 through 15, where it says, In him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of, of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead, and you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all the trespasses, having wiped away the handwritten requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. He has taken it away, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed the principalities and powers. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it which means as long as you were dead in your sins you <clears throat> satan had a accusation against you and he had authority to rule over you but now the head over all principality and power is christ being our federal head as the last adam gives us spiritual life 
as the Spirit unites us to Christ, and therefore no principality or power has an accusation against any son of God because we're blood-bought sons and daughters. Yeah, can you answer the question? Wow. Daniel, did that answer your question? Uh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. My confusion is that when I think of dead to sin, I, it's hard for me to understand that people go continue on sinning. So that's the confusion that I have. Right. But it's I like guess not your, yeah, it's like not your new native state. So like now your native state is a child of God. So it's like angels with dirty faces, right? If before, and think of this, not just physically, like not just you still do physically bad things, but like in a spiritual sense too. And if you disregard the spiritual, just consider under the Christian paradigm, we believe in the spiritual stuff. So think spiritually as much as physically. Um, so if, if you before, you're just like, I'm a demon, I'm going to hell. I do bad things and I'm a demon. So I'm destined for hell. I'm spiritually dead. My spiritual state, my end state is hell. That that's your our native state. Um, then we become alive in Christ. We're a new creation. Now we've passed from death to life. So now we are just for the expression. Think of angels and uh, you know nice shiny squeaky clean angels. Spiritually, we're alive in Christ. We're going to live in heaven forever. I'm not saying we're angels. I'm just for this analogy. But we can still do bad things. We can still sin because we still have this flesh, and we're going to contend with uh, sin until the day we die in this flesh. So, but we're clean. Like we're bright, shiny children of God, but when we do bad things, we may get a little bit muddy. So just because we we now we were spiritually dead, now we're spiritually alive. We're completely new cre creations, yet we can still do some of the same stuff we did before. That's just not our native state. It's like a pig's native state is to roll around in mud. Your native state is not that, but you can still do it if you want. Like you could go jump in a pig pen with pins and roll around and be like, what are you doing? You're crazy. Be like, I want to be like, well, you can do it, but that's not your native state. That's, that's what that means. Cause yes, we will still struggle with sins and stuff like that. Yeah. Thank you for that. And if just briefly, you could speak about this idea of baptism. So from what I understand there, in order to be, to say that someone is born again, does that mean that there's a death and then you're born again? Because it seems the baptism is, is likened to Christ's burial, like the immersion, the, the this covering completely of water. And that is likened to this notion of Christ being buried, right? His death. So what, how does baptism play into it? And that's the last thing I'll ask. Thank you. Yeah, so different, I mean, different theologies will give you different things. What I believe to be biblically accurate is baptism is just symbolic. Baptism is symbolic of the change that's already happened. So being born again, you're born once in flesh and blood, you know, naturally how we're born in like hospitals um, or how Steph does it. And like in her, I can't even think of a joke, Steph. I started to think of a joke. joke. It would have been funny. But, <laughs> I, I didn't want to like i didn't want to say anything too bad anyways hospitals how we're born fleshly in this world but then we're told we must be born again spiritually so like we're born fleshly we're alive we're kicking we're screaming but we still have the sin nature we have a bent towards sin we're spiritually dead so being born again he says you must be born of the water and the spirit so water is the natural birth from your mom in the hospital being born of the spirit is when you repent you're like yes i acknowledge yah christ is my lord and creator jesus is the way um, it's only by him 
that we must be born again. So Jesus, make me born again. I want this eternal life that you say you'll give freely to whoever wants it. That's me. I exercise a little bit of faith that you exist. I'm praying to you. Show me the way. Show me how to live. I will follow you. Save me. At that moment, we're told that the Holy Spirit seals us and we are guaranteed uh, salvation. So that is that is what being born again means. So you don't you don't have to be born because Nicodemus asked the same thing. He's like, well, he, he, I mean, he was trying to ask how to naturally be re reborn again. He's like, do I like crawl back inside my mom? Like that's a little Sigmund Freud for me. But no. So I mean, it, it's kind of along the same lines though. You don't have to die and then be reborn naturally. No, you're already born in the flesh once. Once. So when you're born in the flesh, that's being born in the water, and you will die someday. But that has nothing to do with being born again. Once you're born naturally, now being born again is spiritually. And it's what I just said, realizing there's a spiritual world, there's a continued existence of consciousness, and you rely on Jesus Christ through faith alone to save you, pay the price for your sins. That's the whole reason he died on the cross. Um, so your sins can be covered and you can made, be made right and justified to God. That's being born again. And the moment you get that right, you've solved the mystery of the universe. Um, so that's what that means. What about your foundation in Christ? Is based upon right, so the resurrection. We have a question for Michael before we before we let him continue. So I've been uh, I've been looking at your comments in the chat, right? And I have a question for you: Are you one of the people that holds to the idea that when Jesus in the Bible is called justice, that it means just us? No, uh, he's, he's Tanakh. No, wait, wait, wait. Uh, no. I th I who okay? Who who are you talking to? I heard someone else you, uh, Michael, answer for Michael you. Michael too. Oh okay. Uh, no, I don't know about uh, that about justice and all of that. I just know that when I asked a question to for someone to post or show a plain thus saith the Creator Yah and the Law and the Prophets, show a prophecy written yeah, yeah, jesus yeah. says and, and you were already is, answered so my next question for you no is, you did not already you, answer no one you, showed when you are citing and you're saying you're lying Hosea, and being wicked and you are saying right you're being wicked I'm being and lying wicked, yeah. um so on your life wait a minute on your life did they show a prophecy when a servant of on Satan your life did they show christ to rise from the dead michael, why are you lying like, michael yeah why are you lying when a servant of Satan calls me wicked, I feel wicked. particularly confident about that. I mean, that I'm that's not a servant of Satan. Are you sure? So, so you have some linguistic. Are you sure? You're not born again. You're not spirit filled. You don't have the Holy Spirit. So before I move, okay, I'm going to move you down, man. Like, I know I wanna, you're going to move wanna, me because you don't have the Holy Spirit. No, it's because I'm at the end of my rope with your interruption. You, you, uh, you wouldn't be at the end of your rope if you had Everyone the Holy Spirit. Oh, Michael, you're You would have patience. Move to audience. Okay. Steph, if you so just you have the linguistic your... what? I was going to be stupid and funny. You go ahead and make your real point. Okay, no. Michael, I moved you again, as everyone can see, not because I'm afraid of you or because I'm shaking in my boots about your your weird beliefs. It's because you are have no self control or discipline whatsoever. And if you keep spamming the chat, I'm just going to throw you out of the room because I'm I'm done with it. Um, I've, I've been explaining to you, you have a linguistic problem, right? And you can just close your ears. This doesn't matter. But you're saying you're asking for Albie and others to pull up for you where the English word Christ, Jesus Christ is mentioned in the Old Testament. That's the criteria you have given them. 
the level of intellectual dishonesty that you have to have in order to have that be your criteria for believing in in Jesus or believing in these documents that have been canonized and understood by men much smarter than you for literally thousands of years is shocking. I mean, the level of hubris and uh, he's gone. All right. Well, you know, that was. Steph, I'm trying to find a definition of wicket. I, I'm Wait, not that's... finding one. Isn't that a, a thing in like uh, in a British sport? Sticky that's wicket. Cricket. No, there's. Oh, like I, a... I don't know. Anyway, I, um, I, I mean, if you would just be a good white woman and submit yourself under the rule of this kingly man um, to be a footstool, I think you all would get along a lot better, Steph. Oh, wait, he is still here. Do, Michael, you, you see why asking for it is written. Where is it written? Right. So when you. OK, so you're doing this thing that my child does where she goes, can I have ice cream for dinner? And I say no. And she goes, why? And I say, because it's not good for you. You're going to eat vegetables. But if you eat your dinner, you might be able to have ice cream for dessert because that is better for your body. There is a full, whole, sufficient, well thought out and well educated answer that I just gave her. And she stares at me and she goes, OK, but can I have ice cream for dinner? And I go, no. And she goes, why? And I said, I just told you. And then she goes, OK, but can I have ice cream for dinner? Like, how are you see that's what you're doing, right? No, he doesn't. Perfect analogy. For the same reason why your daughter can't see it, that's why he can't see it. <laughs> OK, that's probably true. All right. I'm, I'm satisfied with that. Thank you, Nate. We can move on. Well, this is fun. What a fun day. <laughs> All right. Who's got anything else? And by the way, that question was answered, right? Like just, I, I mean, Albie spent like three minutes on it uninterrupted and like a couple other people like went back and forth a while. And the biggest thing, right? I, I still don't get it. Like, ah, Pharisee. <laughs> like I am more and more convinced those are the, uh, those are the categories of people. There are people who, who practically, right? Because of course they're gonna make, I'm a Hindu. I'm not a Pharisee. I'm a this, I'm not a Pharisee, but the paradigm, sorry, Abba. Um, but th I mean, the paradigm shift is these two things, right? It's, it may as well be light and dark or potato and kumquat. It doesn't matter. My point in saying like, you're either a, a Christian or follower of Christ, or you're a Pharisee is under the Christian paradigm. You know, we believe like, you know, when Jesus was going back and forth with, with the Pharisees and the religious rulers, they were, they were doing exactly what Michael too just did, which is they're focusing so hard on, on each letter and, and like jot and tittle of the law that Jesus is over here like, guys, you're missing this entire forest because you're focused on a tree and the specific bark on that tree. It's like zoom out a little bit, get a, get a 30,000 foot zoomed out view and all this will become clear. So this guy was like so – anyway, so that's why I say that. People that are so focused on the jot and tittles versus the bigger, the larger zoomed out forest message, um, that's why I, I say I put them in the Pharisee camp because practically speaking, it's, it's a binary. So I just say Pharisees because that's who Jesus contended with a lot during the day. Um, not that everyone was. But it's like Michael's like, where does it where does it say? Where does it say? And he got the answer. It's on replay. Like, that's where it says. And then I think was it Caleb or, or someone else brought up another example of where it says it. But regardless of that, it's like, seriously, how is like, he's like Christianity is false because Paul says if Jesus didn't uh, rise from the dead, we're to be pitied. And somehow conflates that with Jesus says it is written. And he's saying, where is it written? And after he was shown where it's written, written, I'm like, you're still focused on where it's written, like the letter of the law, which you've been answered. But regardless, you're like, where is it written while Jesus is over here rising from the dead? It's like, wait, wait, it, I can't I don't understand where it's written. So Jesus can't be resurrected while Jesus is over here like, hey, bro, I'm resurrecting. Here I go. Here I go. But that can't be happening. That can't be happening. I might like, just pivot 
and realize like uh, like I, the, you're, you're only where to go the only way you can go out of this and i'll give them some bullets for this gun spiritually speaking is to say the eyewitness test testimonies are all fi all false it's fabrication it's lies that's where you go like if you want to be taken seriously that's what you can say but you can't say that because you have trouble understanding where it's written even though people are holding your hand to show you um that that means the resurrection didn't happen what you then have to say is no lots of people said they saw the resurrection so the only way out of this is no they're lying it's a fabrication that didn't really happen um and then people will take you seriously and we can be like okay well we just agree to disagree but you should you know pray to this god who you question whether or not they're resurrected that's the end game. Was that the Michael Black guy down in the audience? Uh, yes, Michael number two. Oh, he came up talking about, who told you to follow Jesus? Uh, it's it's y'all, Harold. <laughs> yeah. You know, I had an interaction with him yesterday evening. You know, dealing with Tanakh-only people, this is one thing that I get that I try to get them to understand. We have more proof for the life of Jesus, his death, burial, resurrection, and followers, then you even have proof that Abraham actually existed in Egypt. That you have any any actual proof that Joseph was lord over Pharaoh's house, according to the Egyptian record. You have almost no proof that the Exodus journey even happened outside of the biblical narrative. So, I mean, if we're going to be critical about this, like, let's, let's check your own book that you're trying to criticize us about. We have more proof that Jesus existed, died, buried, and resurrected and taught disciples than you actually even have evidence for the most pivotal event in all of the world, which is the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt. Yeah, but even but after the incredibly... So, so he was given uh, three really thorough answers, right? So Nate gave him one that was like medium concise. Albie gave him the full wow, picture cross... What? Hold on. I'm, I've got a spectrum here in my example. <laughs> Medium concise. And then Albie gave him this like full cross analysis, poetic, beautiful, like full picture in as little time as he could of the answer. And then Caleb gave him, yeah, here's your verse. This one. Go read that one. And then he came up here yelling about it again. And now he just literally typed in the chat right now, like, but where Jesus lied, where does it say it? I mean, it's just Oh my gosh, man. And that's the thing. You asked you asked if he was given a sufficient answer. And the answer is yes, he was. Now, the thing is that a person who had more self-awareness could have then gone to, well, how do you know that they're speaking about Jesus? What are the examples that you have specific? Like, there are many questions that he could have asked Albie and Caleb to go to that would have made it an interesting conversation. But he's still asking why he can't have ice cream for dinner. So... Yeah, there's really nowhere else to go. And I've been trying to ask him, well, what does he believe in as opposed to just talking uh, about Satan. what he's against? And he is giving no response. So, like, what are your beliefs? He's a Tanakh-only individual. He doesn't believe in the, that the New Testament is uh, inspired by God. He only believes in the Old Testament. It, it's funny. There, well, there are those that I come across that, that seem to want to... They want to question you on your thoughts your feelings your beliefs um but they aren't willing to answer like what ceo said you know like you know, what do you believe they don't want to talk about that um and my my experience with that has been only only like seriously bad faith actors do something like that because they're not going to show their cards 
in the chance you might be able to, you might show them a better card. They're not interested in what you have to say. They want to hear what you, they, they want to hear your beliefs and then just try to sharpshoot them down from there. And in my experience, it's not worth engaging with people like that. Hey, I need you guys. As we agree again. <laughs> what, Harold? Hey. Or Brandon? I need, I need you guys as prayers. I'm at work and uh, I'm picking up trash. And as I'm picking up trash, a, a frog jumps out and went went under my golf cart. But I don't know where he went, and I don't want to crush him when I drive off. So I need you guys to pray for me. Just oh, get, I was just gonna. You'll be fine. We need to pray for the frog. Yeah, I, I was. I was gonna. Um, I was gonna tease, but I, I was gonna say, like you talking about. Uh, I heard a little bit of the conversation. Let me see, is Chris in here? So I'm gonna give him I'm gonna give him a compliment while he's why he's not here, so he won't know <laughs> I did it. But probably I remember I don't know what room that we were in, but probably the best off the cuff, you know, just like far as like not having any formal preparation or like like somebody asked him about the resurrection and like he just gave the most organized, concise spew of facts. I was like, wait a minute, were you preparing that? He's like, No, I just was I said. If I ever give you a compliment, that was the uh-huh. best off-the-cuff defense of the resurrection I've ever heard. That was so – now, don't tell him I said that. But I was like – you know, like, it was just so random. I was like, like, how do you just have all that prepared like that? It was it was, uh, it was, was pretty good. Maybe he should have been here. Now, that'll be our little secret. Yeah, Chris is a beast when it yeah. comes to that resurrection. Yeah, don't, don't, don't tell him I gave him a compliment. I, I, actually, I told him I said – I don't I don't compliment Calvin as often, but I'm gonna tell you I was thoroughly impressed. It was just so organized and concise. I said, and you could tell he really believed what he was saying. It's like you felt stupid for asking. I was like, that was that was really good, Chris. Well, no, see the brand problem. The Brandon the problem is Brandon. You were always gonna compliment him. Probably so. You know, I'm, I'm a little biased to Jesus, <laughs> Michael. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if, if, if um, you can't get me to sign off on a Jesus conversation, you, you're you're not doing something. Hey, Michael, didn't God predestine us to have this discussion? Well, yeah, I, I guess Chris would say so. Chris R. That is, um, Nate. I wanted to revisit something. If your brain can handle it, I'll try. <laughs> okay. Uh, CEO. Um, back to what we were talking about a few minutes ago about the matters of faith. Um, I have a, I have a simple question for you. And again, just remember, I don't do gotcha moments. Okay. This is a genuine question. Is there any scenario that you could pose to someone that they could look at and say, I, or is there anyone that they couldn't look at and say, I accept that on faith? Um, I don't know. Can you give me an example? I'm struggling with that. Can you give me maybe an example? Sure. So, um, Amelia, so I believe Amelia Earhart is still alive because her plane was never found. Um, and she, she lived out her days somewhere in the South Pacific. And I accept that on faith. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Then, and so the th- then your answer is yes. There's some things you can't take on faith because oh, there are things that are so completely evidenced that. It wouldn't make any sense at all to. Uh, can you give me an example? Well, can I play in that sandbox real fast? Must be scientific. 
So let's not say yes and no, let's assign probability. Based on you know the span of a human life, um, our evidence, unless she was very unique, is she's dead. Uh, the only so we have evidence to disbelieve she's alive. However, uh, you know because the mystery surrounding was like Bermuda Triangle or, or whatever, um, we don't know. So I would say unless there's some anomaly that we're being scientific and and allowing and a monochrome of allowance for, because we don't know if time works differently, if she's in another dimension, if she's preserved. We, in that chance we're off, I will say it seems highly unlikely she is alive and well. Okay, so I, I no, think that's never. true. Uh, yeah. Actually, Nate, that's pretty good. Yeah, so, 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 Michael, so actually, if someone wanted to say, I have faith that she is in another dimension and still alive, then, I mean, you, you can't 100% be that. But I think that, you know, like, um, is, is JFK still alive? No, you can't have faith for that one. Interesting. So, but but you couldn't say like, oh, there was some kind of like government. I mean, look, the the, the people that uh, believe things about. Oh, I'm not going to go down that road. Um, the, but there are all kinds of people who believe things that, in in the face of virtually insurmountable evidence, they still believe otherwise. Yeah. Right? So I would I would put it to you like this: if you sure. have to stack conspiracy theory on top of conspiracy theory on top of conspiracy theory on top of conspiracy theory, then I, I, I don't think you're in the realm of faith. You're just in the realm of believing what you want. Okay. That, that's an interesting thought. And just to clarify, Nate, uh, I think I may have misspoken, but I didn't, I, I, if I said she's still alive, I didn't mean to say that. I meant to say like lived out her days undiscovered. Oh. Yeah. So that's sure. that, same. Okay. Yeah, that may have been just a, a miss a misspeak on on my account. Maybe that's, I an, that's an interesting answer. That's an interesting answer, CEO. So, but okay, so let's let's narrow it down to um, when it comes to um, topics of uh, belief when it comes to religion, right? So there are those who say, you know, uh, you know, my my Christian faith, you know, I believe th these things, like like the Bible says, you know, I take these things on faith, so on and so forth. Um, and there are people of multiple faith traditions who believe the same things, if, even within, like, even if you go stay within Christianity or go outside of Christianity, you know, oneness versus Trinitarians, um, you know, post-trib versus pre-trib. I mean, the list goes on and on. And then you throw in, you know, Muslims and the, the, dif the different uh, faith traditions within, uh, within Islam, uh, Hinduism, so on and so forth. They all take the things that they say, whether they be from the Bible, the Quran, the Bhagavad Gita, as truth and a lot of them come down to you know m matters of faith is that a fair statement that they're taking their belief on faith is that what yeah. you're asking well no th th that they're taking the things that they've read uh, like like in their holy books on faith yeah uh, yeah i mean and and so like an example of something that is a belief in in islam that like you know I, I can understand why they decided to take it on faith. Uh, not that I agree with it is, um, you know, the, what is it? The moon splitting thing. There is actually like some uh, historical reports that some King, a couple Kings in India said that they saw that. Right. So if you're a Muslim, maybe that's enough. Those two things combined that the Quran says it. Plus there's some historical Indian King who says that it happened that could be enough reason for you to take that on faith. Okay. But so, so we have mutually exclusive claims made by uh, mutually exclusive faith traditions. Everybody's saying 
that they take at least some of the things on faith. Is that fair to say? Yes. Mm-hmm. Can they all be right? They can't all be 100% right. So some of Islam could be true? Yeah, some of Islam well, sure. could be true. There's a, there's historical things in it that are true. There's philosophies in it that are true. Sure. But doesn't okay. it violate the law of non-contradiction? It, both, it can't be right to well, no, be right and true at the same time, right? Well, no, you would have to have something that is a contradiction. Like, for example, they say Jesus is not God. Christianity says Jesus is God. That's a contradiction. Both can't be true. They could both be wrong. Both can't be true. If uh, Christianity does not speak to an issue and Islam says, hey, the sound in our region is brown, or maybe Christianity says, you know, um, in in Judea at the time, the sand was gray, then both can be true Um, in one location. If they said it's both in the exact same location, Unless you're splitting hairs, then no, both could not be true. They could both be wrong. But if someone says, over here, the sand is brown. Over here, it's gray. Sure, that's fine. And also, it's different degrees, uh, Michael, number one. Um, Because, you know, in Christianity, I believe I have a solid, sound foundation for Christ as God, you know, the the foundation of Christianity. But when we talk about do babies go to heaven, um, I think I have – I take a lot more on faith, and that's based on the character of God that I believe in, that I see in Scripture, but ultimately – I'm not as sure about that position because I just don't know. The Bible says a lot less. I have a lot less convictions over it. I like to think yes, but I could be wrong. And when we get to like some very philosophical point about like space and time and our spiritual essence that continues to live, um, yeah, I don't know. Like basically, I take on faith that I'm going to be in the best possible scenario with my Creator for eternity. Um, which ethereal sort of amorphous state or like plasmic existence I have. I have no idea. I just have it on faith that, like, I don't, I don't speak to that at all. I'm agnostic to death on that. Um, I'll just speak to, I believe the Bible is talking about this heaven. Of that, I'm sure. To what degree I'll metaphysically be in there, I have no idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's fine. And, and like I said, I'm, I'm not looking for gotcha moments. I'm not, gonna, I'm, not, I've, I'm not the kind of person to say, like, aha, gotcha. I was, I was honestly just looking for... Like, like thoughts and opinions on those different things. Because when you talk to like different, like there's lots of different opinions on the whole faith thing, right? Like, I, like um, I've, I've heard people, like I've had people say to me, um, you know, because of my faith, like I've had people say, because of my faith, I know it's true, which to me doesn't make any sense. And so I was just looking, like I was just looking for opinions, honestly. Yeah, I mean, so my, my, my always thing is that like, I there's always these claims that faith is just always completely illogical. And sometimes I think it's the most logical thing you have. So if Steph's in a situation where her child's under a car and trapped, the most logical thing she could do is believe God will give her the strength to lift the car. That is the most logical thing she could do. While I, while I, while I would agree with the first part of what you said, uh, of course, um, I think the second part you said is patently absurd, um, but that's because you know, lo and behold, I'm an atheist, right? So, um, but yeah, like I, 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 w- I wouldn't agree um, with with someone who said, you know, that uh, you know that faith is completely illogical. Like I said before, like previously, I'm not sure if you were here uh, to to hear it or whether you were busy doing something else. Um, but when someone tells me that they have, like, you know, when they take an um, uh, whatever position on or like, you know, a personal experience or something like that. I, I don't discount things. I'm not, I would not say that faith is illogical. I would not say that. 
Well, but even in the example I just gave with Seth, like if that is going to give her the belief of more strength, why would that not be logical for her to have that faith? Well, I didn't say that it was illogical. I said it was a, it, okay. it was absurd. Oh, got it. Okay. Yeah. Hey, Michael. Uh, uh, when you use the word faith, what what, what definition are are you using? Are you, are you saying like a, a strong confidence or trust in someone or something? Or are you, I'm gonna, let me decide how to uh, say it. Yeah, so I, I mean, I've heard it described a couple of ways. And Nate, feel free to cut me off because this is not my space, right? But I'll, I'll answer the question if you're cool with it. Um, so like, I, I, I'm familiar with some of the root words like confidence and the, root, the Latin confide with faith. Um, when, when I'm speaking to, um, when I'm speaking to someone who's not uh, religious, um, I'll, I'll use faith as a synonym for strong belief. When I am talking to someone who's uh, religious, I'll typically try to confine it to the biblical reference, which is uh, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Gotcha. Yeah, so the big takeaway I'm getting, I mean, because we've talked about it a lot, is you can't look at one person who has faith and another person who has a faith or lack thereof and pronounce the same the same quantification on all of them. I, I, I think we all would raise our hand and be like, okay, yes, I get that. But then we have a tendency to kind of do that. <laughs> it's like, oh, you have faith. Oh, you believe sky fairies. Or, oh, you say you don't don't have faith, you live your life by empirical evidence. Oh, I know exactly what you mean by that. Well, you don't. You have to talk to them. So it's like, you know, Roy may be the most uh, extreme example of someone, apparently, his, you know, the story he tells, someone just told him one time, hey, you need to believe in Jesus. And he's like, okay. And now he's believed in Jesus for 30 years. So that may be the most extreme example on that side of what you're looking for, Michael. And you may say, well, what's that based on? And, you know, I mean, after you, after you talk to him now, um, at then apparently he just believed it for reasons. But now if you look back, you, you would say even he has more evidence, you would call it, because, you know, he's, he's read the Bible, presumably he's, he's understood it, um, you know, and it means to him what it, you know, like a lot of Christians. But at that one time, it's like some people want to read the Bible first. Some people want to like do some scholarship and like literature studies. I don't know, uh, verify some archaeological findings before they entertain it and go further. So, uh, yeah, that's that's the takeaway, right? So, yeah, no, and, and and I agree with that, and and I I certainly would never you know look at someone, and that's why when people do say oh, you know faith, I I am you know, the person who will try to dig in deeper and say, you know, you know, tell me what you mean by that. Tell me, you know, give me some, give me some examples of that. How did you come to this? Blah, 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 blah. Um, but yes, there are, um, it's, it's fair to say that there are some, uh, you know, bad faith actors on both sides of the fence, you know, from the atheist side who will say, oh, you just have faith, you know, so you just think, you know, there's fairies, you know, at the bottom of the garden, cool, you know, have a nice day. And there are some, you know, and there are some, uh, you know, on, on the Christian side that will say, oh, you know, you, you, know, you just need to have faith and, you know, or quote Romans 1, something like that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, are we done? Do we need to invite Michael number two back in here? Oh, he's still in here. I was just kidding. Just joking. What's going on in chat? Is, is there like a holy war going on? I, I just occasionally tab over and someone's like, don't use my name. Don't talk to me. Don't look at me. This is why I never look at chat ever, ever, ever. <laughs> like I just like occasionally look through it to make sure no one's like swearing up a storm or something like that, that I would feel my only responsible for. Oh no, I get it. You, you need to, <laughs> I don't, that's why I don't. 
Jawad Jawad. What's up, Jawad? Hey guys. Yeah, so uh, is this just a Q&A session for Christians or what? Yeah, whatever. Um, okay. Christians, non-Christians, yeah. Yeah, uh, I guess the uh, question I have for everybody is, uh, were you guys always Christian or did you become Christian at some point in your life? Uh, I was 12. Um, I, I grew up, I was around the church, I went to church. Um, you know, my family, most of them were Christians, not all. Um, a lot of them were, my parents were. So I grew up with the stories, and then as I got older, I wanted to, you know, decide if, why am I believing this? Is this actually real? So anyways, um, at 12 was when I, I remember getting the first inclination of, of really trying to go down that road, and then by the time I was like a late teenager, um, I, I pretty much decided, I'm like, yeah, I, this is right, um, to the best of my knowledge. That's cool, man. No, thank you very much for sharing. What about uh, yourself? Oh, I'm Muslim. Um, I think uh, I had a similar like, parallel journey to you. You know, I, I grew up uh, around Islam and then I was in Northern Ireland as well. So there were like Christian influences, quite strong ones, and some atheist ones as well. Uh, and when I got older, I decided to do some introspecting on my own. And then I realized, yeah, that it was right for me. Yeah. So very similar, actually. For myself, um... Yeah, I, I grew up with it. Um, my, my father was a pastor. I, I wouldn't say by virtue of my father being a pastor that automatically makes me a Christian because I was living differently. I was living contrary to the Christian Christian life regardless of my upbringing, right? I was still fornicating and I was still gangbanging. So I wouldn't call myself a Christian, you know, because I wasn't. Um, I wasn't truly following the principles of Christianity. Then I didn't take it seriously. You know what I mean? Because if I did, I wouldn't be trying to put a gun in my hand and try to be violent with other people. That just that's, that, that, that's nothing about the Christian belief authorizes game banging and stuff. But I think when when I had an experience, you know, with the risen with the risen Lord, I would say around in my in my twenties. And then, you know, the peace that surpasses all understanding came upon me. And then I think of when I totally surrendered to, uh, to Christ's will, I think that's when I start, start becoming a Christian and living, and living, like, living, like, a, living like a Christian. Can I, can I speak to this real quick since I only got a, like a second? Yeah, yeah go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I, I was just going to say that. Um, and, and Christianity, Christianity does not teach that you can be born a Christian. Like you can't just because your parents are Christians and you're born to a Christian family doesn't automatically make you a Christian. At some point in your life, you have to come to faith in Christ as your Savior in order to become a Christian. You, know, you can be raised in a Christian family, a Christian home, but you're, you're still a sinner until you repent of your sins and, uh, and trust Christ as your Savior. Agreed. 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 <laughs> uh, anything else, Jawad? No, no, no. That was interesting. Um, if you don't mind, I'll hang around and see what other people. Sure. Have. Well, Evan, what's up, Evan? And then at at the request, even though she didn't, it's an unspoken. Steph, I I did invite your friend Bob. We'll see what Evan has to say, and then you can you can play with Bob. Uh, Evan, what's up, Evan? Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing? Hope everybody's doing all good. 
Um, I just heard that Muslim speaking, and he sounds like a total mature adult, not like a lot of the other Muslims we hear uh, on this app that come in screaming and yelling and everything. He said he researched and all that. So if, if, if you can just tell us what brought you to Islam, that would be great. Because when people tell me that they've researched and they decided, you know, oh, to follow Muhammad, the facts are he was a sinner. And you can just go through the list of sins he did. And Jesus is not a sinner. I mean, how do you rectify becoming a Muslim and not following Jesus? Well, Jawad, not to put you on the spot, but if you want to answer, go for it. Sure. There's uh, two separate questions there. Uh, one, um, why became a Muslim? And second, uh, about you know the comparison between Muhammad and Jesus. Uh, right, Evan? Uh, yeah, that, that that should be a, a good enough, man. Okay. You know, just tell us something good about Islam, bro, you know? Oh, yeah, sure. Okay, so uh, Muslims believe in one God. We believe in heaven and hell. We believe in doing right. Uh, we believe in giving, you know, charity to people. Uh, we believe in helping the sick. Um, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, my friend, to cut you off, but, you know, we've all heard all this stuff before, and when you say do good to other people, you're only talking about being good to Muslims, other Muslims, because other people other than non-Muslims are secondhand citizens, and, and, and they are, you know, they live uh, as dimmies. So when you say things like that, it's kind of confusing to everyone uh, who's Can actually read the Quran and, and, and about Muhammad, you know? Yeah, if you don't mind letting the, letting the man respectfully finish what he's trying to say. Yeah, uh, Evan, uh, just I was directly answering your question when you said, you know, tell me some good things about Islam. Um, and those. Yeah, I, I'm I sorry. Did, Maybe the other questions would be better. You know, what brought you to Islam and, and you know, the comparison between Muhammad and Jesus. If you can answer well, that instead. What I was going to say was that the answer I gave you about what was good about Islam are the primary reasons for me being Muslim. Those are the things that I genuinely believe in. Well, those are incorrect, though. You, you said you're, you're there to be kind to people, but Islam isn't kind to people. They're only kind well, to other on, Muslims. So something, oh, I see that I don't, some, something I see that I don't like in this room is you, you praise him for being like, you know, whatever you said, good and well-respected and well-spoken. Well and it seems like you're being a little tacky, and there's plenty of places for that. Well, here, I'm, I mean, I'm sorry know. if I feel a little attacky, my friend. You, you know what I mean? I mean, I literally have Muslim community patrol cars uh, driving down my street. So, so excuse me if I'm a little touchy, bro. Well, bro, yeah, I mean, I, get, I, I guess I get it. But I mean, unless, you know, believe me, I feel the same way, right? Like, I'll, I'm all about, like, you know, doing what needs to be done to live peacefully with people, if possible. Um, but yet, so I get it. Believe me, like there's takia, there's, you know, intentionally deceiving people. Some will say it's for self-preservation. Others will say, no, they're using takia to say you can actually lie and do whatever you want for Allah. So I, I get your red flags. I have many of them, but, you know, I also take what I'm given. So, you know, like if Jawad, for example, um, is a nice guy, answers a question and whether or not we, we think it's true or false or whatever he's doing. Um, that's fine. I'll take people at their word for the sake of this discussion. Um, but then if I saw Jawad, uh, you know, if I as I as his neighbor and, you know, we had a good community and stuff like that and he was res respectable and, you know, we we um, treat each other nice and stuff like that and respected our different beliefs, then fine. Jawad's an OK guy. If um, I live next to him and he's throwing firebombs in my house, then me and Jawad are going to have a problem. So, I mean, I guess I would say unless Jawad is um, rolling around by your house in the patrol car, uh, you know, let's let's hear what the guy has to say. 
Yeah, just just treat them with the you know have that spirit of of, of gentleness. You don't invite the person in the house just to just to pour hot water on them right when he goes in the doorstep. You know what I mean? So I just like just give him, give him that re, give him that respect. You know what I mean? Because you did ask him, and sound like he came off very sincere, only to set him up to be insincere. You know what I mean? So we understand what the problem is about Allah, but if he's if he's in our house. Let's conduct ourselves like with the spirit of, of, of the Holy Spirit, with gentleness. We don't got to do that to him. Uh, but real quick, I'm, I'm also going to run away soon. Um, does anyone want to keep this going? It's a pretty full room. I'd hate to end the discussion unless you guys are all ready to go have lunch. I'm here for you, brother. <laughs> anyone else? <laughs> yeah, who was, who was just talking about we don't have to speak that way or whatever? I mean, if you think, you know, your hippie ways are going to convert anybody, uh, you know, out of Islam, it's it's not happening, bro. They need to hear the facts. You know what I mean? And you guys, oh. you know, you just you're nailing a ha you're nailing a nail in with a feather. Well, let me let me just well, let we, me we just could have had this. That, hang on. Hang, hang on. And then I'm going to take off. This could have ran its course. So, like, you know, it's not oftentimes people accuse me of being like liberal or hippie or anything like that. It's quite the opposite. I like to see it as a as a respectful person. Right. So no one's going to convince anyone to come to the other side. It's going to be God and God alone. That's one thing Christians have. Uh, we preach the power of the cross of Christ and Christ crucified. We can reason with people. We can argue. We can try to be convincing. But ultimately, if God doesn't want them, they're not coming. If God wants them they'll they'll be open and receptive i believe that so as far as hippie ways our job is simply to tell people and if people want to hear more just like jesus says disciple them train them teach them if they don't want to hear more then what are we going to do why do we need to like be, do we believe god or not right like we're, we opened up talking about the beginning of this people are like well if you use that as an affront to say well if christians really believe god they would do whatever it takes to save someone's soul even if that means like hurting them or being violent right right no because the God we believe in so much says our only job is to tell them how to have eternal life and how to have life and life more abundantly. That's repent. The stuff you're doing, you know you shouldn't. Stop it. Fall on your face before God. Ask him to save you, forgive you, make you born again, give you eternal life. Believe that. Stop looking at YouTube videos. Stop having debates. Pray to Jesus in the Bible. That's the guy. Pray to him. That's it. If you want to hear more, happy to tell you more. If that's the end result and you're like, thanks, but no thanks, or I don't want that, you have no power to convince anyone. If you force someone like they did in the Middle Ages, congratulations. You've sinned and had a false conversion that didn't take anyway. If someone brainwashes themselves into Christianity, other people may like that. Other Christians may like that. It just seems false. That's, that's not the right way. So believing so much in the Jesus who I believe in as God says, this is how you do it. That's how we do it. So if someone wants to now say hippie or hitting the nail in with a feather or something like that, uh, not at all. Like that, goodness, that's the most offensive thing I think I've heard today. If someone like, you know, I, I, I yeah, that's weird. I don't know, Steffi, Steffi, Stephanie. It, it's kind of, yeah. it's kind of interesting when, uh, Am I a when, hippie? A when a person proclaims to have to be filled with the Holy Spirit and makes a comment like that, like, when 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 Jesus left the ninety nine to save the one to save you, he didn't come with a sword and a battling hammer. You know what I mean? He didn't do that. He came with gentleness, with love. You know what I mean? With unmerited favor yeah, and grace sometimes. to try to pursue to try to persuade you and stuff to say that your heart, which how, what, what, how, where you was before God saved you, 
that a Muslim shouldn't receive the gentleness that Jesus gave you and how you were persuaded. It's asinine. It makes no sense and stuff. You're judging a whole entire people. You know what I mean? And expect that they don't have a heart that, that God created that could be persuaded by the gospel. I believe that the power of the word of God, you know what I mean? It says it's sharper than any double-edged sword, dividing bone and spirit and, uh, you know, uh, what is a bonus? <laughs> spirit and soul. Yeah, so so that that can rightly divide truth. All you have to do is use this word and say it. If God tells us to be gentleness, why would you overcome what the what the what the book clearly says to do and say that to be shrewd, to be offensive is the best way to do it and undermine the power and the authority of the word? It makes no sense to me. So uh, Steph, I can see people accusing you of being a hippie. We do it regularly, but um I don't know. I mean hippies need Jesus too, that's fine. Does that mean I'm insecure? Yeah, I'm, Wait, I'm, I'm sorry. My service cut out just as you said, Steph. I could see people accusing and then I missed That you of being wicked. Wicked. Yes. That is still me. I am still wicked. And I was saying you're a hippie. <laughs> oh, yeah. That oh. happens all the time. But I mean, I went to art school. It's like, you know, it did rub off. I live in you a know, place kind of 15 witch covers. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, that's kind of like don't don't mistake kindness for weakness or like one of one of those like tropes or whatever. But it's like, look, like being being not an offensive tool um, doesn't mean you're like super like, oh, everyone's love the universe, love everybody, God bless everybody. There's no reason to think that. Um, but I mean, it's not like that. it's over conflating to a fault. It's like it, what was it? Teddy Roosevelt said, like, speak soft to carry a big stick. Right. So like it's like one of those little chihuahuas. And you're like. They're just yelling and screaming, and they they can do nothing. They're like half a pound of nothing. The only threat they pose is, well, I guess maybe infection if they bite you because they're disgusting. But I mean, hey, they, hey, hey, there's hey, there's no there's hey. oh sorry if you have a chihuahua, my bad. Um, they're amazing animals. God God's creatures, fluffy, amazing. Um, <laughs> anyway, but um, <laughs> where is I going with that? Anyways, it's like I mean, you would even admit, Albie, as someone who dearly loves, I guess, these chihuahuas you have. Um, you would say, you know, th their bark is a lot, a lot louder than their bite. Yeah, that would but, be fair, but, right? But mine doesn't bark, man. She's a sweet. Oh well, then, oh, well, then I probably like that one. Anyway, so it's like when people have to like just go go full steam ahead, like a bull in a china shop, which is kind of a misnomer. Apparently, they're very careful, but just breaking things, and then like what? You broke everything. Now you got to like piece it back together. How about you just kind of like nimbly go through the shop, not break stuff, and then you complete your mission and also don't have to pick up your mess. I, I don't know. It's like, if there's a problem, then there's a problem and it's like go time. But we, we always had this thing in defense training when, when I was a cop and it, our instructor always said like, treat them like family until you can't. So it's like, if someone's nice and well-spoken and soft and stuff like that, that's how I'm going to treat them. Um, if someone like Michael number two shows up and they're just like bull in a China shop the bad way and breaking everything and over talking, well, that's how we treat him. So anyways, uh, I mean, that's my personality, right? There's there's just no benefit to throwing bombs and then trying to, like, walk it back later. Just don't do that in the first place, and you don't have a problem. So, you know, for example, Jawad, sorry to pick on you, but if he turns out, like, if we talk to him for two hours and he turns out to be like, oh, yes, it's all a trick. I, I'm a total troll. I hate you. I'll kill your whole family. He's like, okay, well, now's now's the time to change. Um if if we continue talking to him, he's like, no, man, I really mean that. I don't want to cause 
harmed anyone. I don't have a problem. We just have difference of difference of opinion. I'm like, sure, that's how we treat them. Like, you, take what you're given. Well, just to set Seems the record, like yeah. just to set the record straight, I actually like hippie Nate. So, I just want to let you know that. Bro. Oh boy. Well, I mean, I guess I can be hippie Nate as long as everyone else is all like cool and mellow. Then I'll be too. I mean, you know, if people are like, "Hey, we're gonna like you know kill you and your family," I'm like, "Well, I guess we'll go out swinging." Can I can I talk to Stephanie now? Uh, oh yes, you oh, can, Steph. Can I leave you here? Fun? It's my lunchtime. I'm gonna leave you. I'm, I'm driving, and I'm gonna have to go in like five. I'll entertain Bob for like five minutes, but then I do have to. Yeah, go. but before Bob goes, can I say this? Because I know Bob is gonna go everywhere, but um. So I do want to say something. I think uh, what probably like as Christians that we need to understand is that we're not fighting against blood, flesh and blood. Yeah, we God has given us the knowledge to understand all things, not all things, but to understand things that are, you know, needed at the time to be able to speak to the person. But when we speak to the person, we're not looking at the flesh and blood, but against the principality of the power of the air who are at hand, you know which are evil. And so in that term, then we know that for sure that when we come to speak to the person that we need to come with knowledge of the other. So we know what the Quran says. We know what the Hadith says. We know all about that. But when the person comes up and speaks about Islam and him being converted to Islam, he may not be knowledgeable or he may not understand all those things. Or even if he does understand those things, he may be blinded by the power of the air, right? By the, by the devil himself. So how we come to with like Nate said, and the rest of my brother said, is that we need to come with humility and really to understand that, you know, we're not fighting against the flesh and blood, but against, uh, you know, power and principality of the power of the air. So just, you know, I want us to keep that in mind as you guys debate and, you know, encourage other Muslims. Uh, anyway, uh, that's all I want to say. But Bob, you got it after this. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh... I heard Chris last night. Uh, he was in a debate with uh, with Mr. Griffin, and uh, I'm Bob the Builder, and uh, I didn't really like the way things went, but uh, that's okay. And uh, I made a video today. You can check it out. Prove me wrong. So the challenge is there. And uh, if you think you can prove me wrong, uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, and that goes for Apostle or Stephanie or Nate or Albie for sure. But anyway, thank you, Steph. Wait, prove you wrong about what? Yeah. Prove me wrong about my doctrine. No. Bob, there is there is no hope of doing that. I, I heard you in a room with Matt Slick, and he spent thirty minutes breaking down every single scripture. And your response was, "You're saying Jesus was God?" That was your response. So you have decided to not hear anything anyone has to say. On no, I listen to everything everyone says on the topic. Matt Slick has been confused for 40 years, and evidently he's confused you too. I mean, I don't think anybody is more confused maybe than a, what is it, Calvinist? 
Well, Bob, it's good to see you. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm not going to drop you. I've, it's not my not my barrel, not my monkeys. It's your Stefan Apostle Sean's problem now. But no, I mean, there's no proving, right? And wouldn't it be bad, even if you were convinced um, at some point, wouldn't it be bad if we, if we waste so much time trying to prove someone hard and obstinate of heart? I know you don't see it that way, but from our perspective, instead of just like, you know, going out with the giant grass seed thing, this big repent, the end is near, fall on your face before God, have eternal life, be children of God right now. And, you know, the Bible would call that good seed on good ground, perhaps. And there's like there's like 10 to one. It's like we can spin our wheels with you and Michael number two and, you know, probably get nowhere because you have a hardened heart to this stuff. Um, or we can go talk to other people who may be hurting, lonely, questioning. Oh God, I'm a hippie, Nate. Anyways, but we're we're like being doing something beneficial and helpful to them. I don't know. It just seems like a bad return on investment. Um, <laughs> if if Matt Slick oh, knowledge of the truth and went preaching the true gospel, I think it would be a benefit to a whole lot of people. Well, wait, uh, Bob, real quick. Wouldn't you, I mean? Okay, hang on. I know we've probably done this before. Would you say, because, I mean, we may take a little bit of time to get to your, to get to where we really disagree. Would you say that the truth, right? So if you're saying the truth is the gospel, would you say that uh, there's a God in heaven, Jesus uh, died on the cross for your sins and rose from the dead. If you, if you repent and, and believe in him, ask you, ask him to forgive you and give you eternal life, then, then you're saved. Do we disagree on that? Or are we, are we at least on the same page as far as that right there? Uh, that's the beginning of it, but Jesus said that the seed fell, you know, on the side of the road, and the birds ate it up. So uh, right, okay. So you, we have to. So okay. So we, it would be in the discipleship that would that find out you're a little cultic. So I mean, if Matt Slick would do that and he just preached that much, you should be at peace with that, right? Because of something no, you guys agree on that no, part. It's just no. when he starts going farther and it's like Jesus is God, is where we find out you're wrong. Well, Jesus that's is right. Yeah, Jesus isn't God. He'll never be God. Not Couldn't is be. of God is God. Philippians 2, 6, Jesus is God. No, Jesus isn't God. In very uh, nature, he's God. Mm -hmm. Oh, wait, you don't believe on the, wait, the, the, does the Bible? Does the Bible have errors, Bob? Does what? I'm just trying to wind him up, so let him go, which I'm going to go now. All right, everyone, take care. See you later. <laughs> Hey. <laughs> uh, Sh Sean, Steph, whenever you guys uh, don't run for the razors, whenever you guys both have to go, uh, just just in the room. <laughs> Thanks. Have fun. Peace be with you. Peace.